Hailing frequencies are open. Not that that's going to help you. Welcome, exactly. everybody, to Clear Skies, our Mirror Universe Community Unlocked episode. Uh, I am here with the stream punks, or Mirror Universe stream punks, anyway. Uh, and this has been an episode that we've all been looking forward to. We weren't entirely sure what the premise of the episode was going to be. Being a fully non-human crew, it wasn't certain of how we were going to play this out. And then just this morning, it all came together. And now we are super hyped for tonight's game because there's a lot of fun stuff going on. So uh, we're looking forward to playing this. As you saw in the disclaimer, this is going to be a darker episode. Uh, it's going to be very similar to what you may have seen us do on Shield of Tomorrow with regards to how dark we went. Uh, I would say it's not going to be Game of Thrones dark, but it'll probably lean into something closer to like, well, Discovery Mirror Universe dark. Um, which was pretty dark. Um, R.I.P. Stamets. All right, so um, before we jump into tonight's game, let's go ahead and get some of the announcements out of the way. Uh, first of all, I'll go ahead and start um, because uh, I never get to really uh, give an announcement, but uh, my show, I've got a show now, a D&D show of my own, finally. I, I finally became like the rest of the stream punks and went and got, a, I got myself uh, another D&D show. So uh, on Saturdays, the Gax Pack is out roaming the multiverse jumping planes and getting into a lot of trouble uh you can catch us on the uh, gary gygax's twitch channel which right now i believe is gary gary con gaxmore uh twitch uh i believe that's what it is right now i think that's going to be changing up soon but so stay tuned but that is on saturdays uh starting at 4 p.m 5 p.m 5 p.m now so catch us there it's taken me a while to sort of learn the information but it's been a lot of fun because i play an orc monk named leaf who's still trying to understand b dave's super mega emo dark edge lord uh undead drow boy who who just needs to like stop threatening people's lives for god's sakes uh anyway so that's my announcement on saturdays uh anybody else got a uh, rave yes hi everyone um my announcement for this week is join us next week here at this time slot for a rose ceremony you won't forget um we are doing bachelor's 10 candles next week on monday and i am so excited um it's okay if you've never seen an episode of the bachelor or the bachelorette in your life because that's not what this game is about it's about being ridiculous and slasher b horror fun and i'm just excited to gm i'm also really really nervous because i've only jammed like once or twice in my life so come on this journey with me um it's gonna be everlasting yay did i hear you say slasher i was gonna say, i was gonna make a joke i was gonna make a joke that the rose ceremony gets just as dark as mirror universe so today will be kind oh. of something similar but <laughs> As it turns out, Rave isn't joking. I saw Xander's reaction. I'm like, oh, good. It wasn't she, just me. She said horror, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ten Candles, Bachelorette, uh, next Monday, GM'd by the wonderful Ravity Domse. So uh, anybody else have an announcement for this evening? Yes, Xander. Yeah, just my standard that I'm on other shows as well. I've got two D&D shows. One of them happens to be with Gina DeVivo. We're on hiatus right Ooh. now, but failed save. Uh, and then I'm also playing Starfinder on the official Paizo channel, and I'm having a great time over there, and Shakar on that Bronze Girls channel. So check out my Twitter for all of my whole schedule. I'm all the time streaming. Schedule? Schedule. Schedule. Um, all right, great. Uh, anybody else have any announcements or shows that they want to pitch and stuff that they're doing? Yeah, Aki. 
Um, I think people are more or less familiar with all the stuff that I'm doing, but there are two shows that I really want to make sure that people have their eyes on because they're a lot of fun. Um, you should check us out over on Roll20 Twitch uh, where I play a chess uh, teenage explorer uh, in my Star Wars game, Desperate Gamble. That's at 1 o'clock p.m. on Fridays. And then, of course, there's Let's Get Wild Mount over on Critical Bar's channel. Uh, and that happens on Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. And, oh boy, it's a great cast and we're having a lot of fun. And, yeah, it's it's really, really fun to play this character, who is the very first D&D player uh, character I played when I first got back into, into tabletop gaming five years ago. So, it's a lot of fun to revisit them and no, play them again. All right. Does anybody else have any other announcements before we start our game tonight? Yeah, Bonnie. I will start streaming on my own channel. I had to postpone it a few weeks, um, but I will. I got, <laughs> I got things. I got things up here working. It's happening. Also, happy first contact to everyone. Happy, happy first birthday, Lark Sage. <laughs> yes, happy birthday, Lark Sage. And on that note, let's pause and acknowledge that Q is confirmed for season two of Picard, which is incredibly exciting. And I have friends that are writers on the up and coming Star Trek Prodigy show who just revealed Janeway on that show, which I'm stupid levels of excited about. And they announced the next season of Lower Decks. And they announced the next season of Discovery. And the uniforms look amazing. Uh, today was a big fucking day for Star Trek, y'all. Uh, big day. And I got to say, if you haven't played Star Trek Online, get in there and play the rocket events where you recreate uh, <laughs> where you where you recreate uh, the flight of the the first flight of the Phoenix. It's so choice. Lots of fun. Uh, lots of dancing. Um, if there is nothing else, yes, Sam Delev. You've heard a lot of announcements tonight, and none of them matter. Because what's happening tonight is a trip to the mirror universe. Remember, we're not evil. We're just smarter. Get excited. Let's start tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
Welcome back, everybody. Indeed, as it was stated, it is a unique time for this young galactic government. Terran Rebellion's success has given rise to the Galactic Commonwealth, a new government founded on the principles first laid down by Commander-in-Chief Spock, the last great leader of the now-shattered Terran Empire. A period of stalemate has fallen on the galaxy as an uneasy, uneasy peace has begun. But there are those within who would destroy this new opportunity for a better world by calling forth the hateful fires of fascism and Terran supremacy once more. In a bold move, April Bear, an admiral in the Galactic Commonwealth Navy, has commandeered the ISS Ross and declared herself the new empress of the new Terran Empire, vowing to crush the traitors who weaken the Terran race and restore the Empire to its former glory. Her call has reached ears across the quadrant and unrest has begun. Ships dispatched to stop her have all failed. Her victories have caused a movement to begin. In the Galactic Commons, if the Galactic Commonwealth is to survive these early days, the ISS Ross must die. We begin today's story on Terra. Under a dark and stormy sky, in what is known as San Francisco. The newly reconstructed headquarters of the Galactic Commonwealth's Navy, a cornerstone for resilience. The buildings that were wiped out and destroyed here after the orbitable bombardments led by the Klingon Cardassian forces not more than 10 years ago um, have given rise and become a monument to the resiliency of the Terran people. But not just the Terran people, but the resiliency of those who have allied themselves with the Terran rebels who also wish to carve out a better future for themselves. The people that live on Terra today and the government that Terrans are building for themselves is a far cry from the empire that once stood not more than 20 years ago. Uh, the Terran empire as it was has become something of a dark legend. Though there are still many around that were a part of that empire, most of them languish in chains as symbols of failure, symbols of the past, symbols of those who would use the arrogance and racism of their teachings to lead the entire Terran race into oblivion. What's given rise is an alliance between Vulcans, Tellarites, and Dorians, a new alliance that is standing firm and building a finer world for itself. It's still in its infancy. And it is also filled with people who have been hardened and carved by the realities of living under the Terran rule. And even though Terrans still hold power, they are nothing like the ones that were holding power back during the days of the Empire, and have proven themselves to be valuable allies as they both empower other non-human races into positions in both government and the fleet, but they have also proven that they too wish to forge a better way out of the darkness. All of that is being threatened by this one admiral who two weeks ago sent a transmission to the Commonwealth headquarters declaring herself the new Empress. There have been four ships to dispatch to stop the Ross. None of them have returned. One of them sent an SOS before it was destroyed. Two of them were sent against the Ross at the same time, meaning to pincer it out somewhere in the middle of the galaxy. They didn't return. The Terrans 
that are now trying to organize their fleets are getting somewhat desperate. It's only a matter of time, is the general belief, until the Ross is brought low. She has to be wounded out there by now. She does not have a port of call. Any damage that she's being taken in the combat that's being put up against her is turning into field repairs. It's only a matter of time until this, ad this traitor Admiral April Hebert is brought low. But for every day the Ross lives, the danger of an uprising or resurgence of the old Terran way grows stronger and stronger. And it has come, become clear that that is the goal to live long enough for the legend to spread and for that fascist regime to once again try to seize control. And at first, it was kind of viewed as just an annoyance, but there's been an enough of a response that all of you were being summoned to headquarters today for what you all are anticipating will be a mission to stop this admiral, this pirate, this usurper this person that's endangering the future of the Commonwealth. The Klingons and the Cardassians have just been looking for one reason, to reignite the war. However, what's not helped by this is the fact that the Klingon-Cardassian alliance has disintegrated. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm not saying it couldn't happen again, but those two have once again fallen into distrust of each other. That has also added to the call of these Terran imperialists who think now is the perfect time to reclaim the former glory for all of Terrans and to once again put those who are not Terran back in chains and in servitude where they belong. This cannot be. And the fragile Commonwealth is creeping closer and closer towards the brink. A solution must be found. And as y'all are being guided into the hallways of this command headquarters, I want you to, as players, put an overlay of what that Starfleet headquarters looks like and remove it and replace it instead without the elegance and without the salute to the past, without any symbolism of all the journeys that have been taken to get where you are and replace it instead with opaque colors and blank slates. There are no statues or monuments to anyone in this place. There is only a plaque on the wall as you enter, a large bronze plaque that has been crudely carved and crudely hammered into the durasteel walls with high-powered uh, rifles that basically stab these great metal spikes. It is meant to look as crude as possible to drive the point home, as it were. United we stand, together we fall. The, 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 essentially the logo of the Commonwealth. Walking into these hallways is like walking into a military complex. Everyone wears body armor who's got a phaser rifle on their, on their hands. But what is a harsh and somewhat welcome reminder is these individuals that you walk past, only about half of them are Terran. You're passing Trill and Tellarites. You're passing Vulcans and Endorians. You're passing the occasional Cation. You're passing the occasional uh, Bajoran. 
until you are finally led down into one of these corridors. One by one, you're all fed into this large open room, which has since become a tactical war room. It is cold, it is unpersonable. The chairs here are simple metal chairs that have been laid out on a dais. You can see a holographic table. Sitting up at the front are three people. One of them is somebody you all recognize immediately as being one of the center, the center pieces of the Terran Rebellion. Everyone is familiar with the name General Miles Smiley O'Brien, who sits up on the dais uh, drinking out of a thick mug and acknowledging all of you as you enter into the room being led in a, in a column. Um, he has a couple of people next to him, but you don't really recognize any of them. There is a mysterious hooded figure sort of slumped off to the side near the holographic table where the projections are at but it's not clear who they are. The robe that they're wearing looks worn and gray. It looks used and it looks maybe like it has been weathered, like it's been through rain, it's been through soot, it's been through all sorts of uh, overuse to the point where it's once rich, like white coloration has been worn down to the shaggy, like cloudy gray color. You can see these lines, these geometric lines across the chest that have since been worn away or torn down. The figure looks frail and is just huddled down with its head lowered. As you're all led into the room, the other thing you notice that'll sharply come into your your field of vision is there is a Cardassian here on the DS as well, seated seated just across from uh, General O'Brien. The Cardassian is in full military uniform and bearing the rank of Gull. Uh, we, as the audience, would know her as Jane Lacat. Here in the Mirror Universe, this is Gull Lacat. And she is sitting upon this chair at this hollow table, kind of regarding all of you as you're being led in. Gullacat, the one thing that you notice as they're all led into the room is not a single human is among them, which you find different. <laughs> no. Good. I find it good. good. Um, in fact, right now, the only human in the room, save for perhaps possibly the hooded figure, is General O'Brien. Uh, you're all led around this table and seated at these metal chairs that line up in front of the holographic table. The Diaz that it rests on is only slightly raised, just enough to both give everyone points of view, but is not actually, doesn't seem to be intended to establish authority of any kind. And yet, there he stands. General O'Brien is not known for somebody who throws his rank at people. He is practical, he is made of iron. He gets to the point. If you are a low-ranking lieutenant or the next leader of the Commonwealth, he treats you the same. He does not treat anybody like they are an underling. He treats everyone who can move, breathe, or fire a phaser as somebody who is useful to the cause of the Galactic Commonwealth. And as everyone takes their seats, you hear him say, all right, let's get started then. And he takes one long swig out of his mug and sets it down, it stands up and says, well, I'll not waste my time telling you too much about protocol here. You all know the situation. That damn admiral is out in the middle of nowhere on board the ISS Ross. 
and she's causing trouble for the entire Commonwealth. We've sent uh, numerous ships to stop her. We haven't been able to. So you've all been handpicked. You're going to be given a ship, and you're going to be sent out there into the dark, cold void of space, and you're going to vent her. And you're going to do it, and you're going to ensure that everyone gets to see it. She is the last flame of the old ways, and she must die. If she doesn't, she'll tear apart everything that we're building now. She casts a shadow of everything we're trying to accomplish. All the lives that have been lost, Terran and otherwise. The Terran Empire must not return. How's that for a mission briefing? Inspired. And standing up from the table, you see a Bolian who's there, and he is in um, like a surgical uniform, but the sleeves are torn off, uh, and you can see like bulging muscles in the blue skin, uh, as, as well as like a chiseled chin, uh, and and all of this is very this bright blue, but when it comes up towards the top, you notice that there's scarring and it fades into a bright red calcified scar tissue all over the top of his head. It fades into like this bright, um, it almost looks as if he has hair, but you know that it's scarring from a burn, like his head was set on fire at some point. Uh, and uh, Dr. Linatus just says, hopefully we'll have everything that we need to return this time. There's a small smile from the general, and he nods, and he says, you're going to be given everything you need to take care of the situation. And just so that you have a full scope of how dangerous things have become, we've had to take some drastic measures. You're going to be the first to learn about this. You see, the Admiral, she's waging a war of... Well, words. She's using the Ross and its survival to turn against us all the commentary, trying to make us look weak so the citizenry will rise up and remembering the better days. <laughs> he scoffs and takes a drink. He sets it down, slides it away from himself, and he says, what we need is a voice, a voice from the past who can stand up and explain why the old ways are gone. So, I have a VIP I need you to transport to Vulcan. Recently <laughs> discovered and released from prison. And he looks over at the hooded figure and the figure Slowly, you see these ancient hands as this figure pulls back the hood. You see an ancient-looking face with angular features and a goatee, pointed ears and a bold cut right across the top. As it comes down, you all look into the face of what was once Commander-in-Chief Spock of the Terran Empire. You see, as the hood comes to a rest, he slowly lowers his hands and very dramatically just turns and looks at all of you. 
And he says, I don't believe Commander-in-Chief Spock needs an introduction. We found him languishing in chains, long forgotten. His voice is going to be a powerful force in convincing anybody who's still believing in the old Terran Empire that their ways are outdated. Your mission was to drop him off on Vulcan, where he will be making a public statement in support of the Commonwealth. Then you are to proceed to these coordinates, and he picks up a data pad and enters them on, transfers it to your data pad, and he says, May I introduce to you the commander of this mission, your new captain, and emotions. In the back of the room, you see walking towards the front of the stage a Vulcan. Uh, this Vulcan is also wearing sleeveless, like a sleeveless tunic. Um, walking upright, you can tell just from the look of way he's carrying himself that he too is one of these Vulcans that does not necessarily subscribe to the teachings of logic. This is a Vulcan that is way more interested in authority and power. Um, sharp angular features very handsome very like dark hair dark mysterious eyes but has an air of arrogance about him that is off-putting just from the sight of him and this is captain Sivek. he'll be taking command of the mission in just a moment we'll lead you to your vessel and you'll be underway remember the goal is to destroy the iss ross at all costs Are there any questions? I have a question. Mm-hmm. And Sol points at the gull. What's she doing here? She will be attending the mission with you as a representative of the Cardassian Empire. I'm here to make sure we get the job done. Of course you are. And Sol leans back in her chair and goes back to petting Macrell. Okay. <laughs> the moment Saiba walked out, Olin's just been like daggers for eyes, mean mugging that son of a bitch. <laughs> It is also, and for those of you, uh, the players and audience at home, yes, this is Cyvek, who is in the Prime Universe, the the ex of one, one certain trill, um, here making an appearance, Mirror Universe Cyvek. Um, you see, as you are caressing Macrell, Cyvek just looks at all of you and says, the mission will be simple. I expect full loyalty. You will follow my orders. We will get the job done and we will come home heroes. It is that simple. On along the way, we might even enjoy ourselves. Uh, you see McCrell kind of bristle up and she looks at him and goes, you may be the captain, but I go where my mistress tells me. Good, because your mistress will go where I will tell her. And he shoots daggers at you, Commander. Poor sir. Very well. Come on, old man. Spock, without saying a word, 
slowly rises from his chair and folds his hands into his robe. I would say immediately Reku stands to help Spock. Okay. As uh, you you move over and take Spock by the sh- by the like the elbow, mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't resist. Um, you take him by the elbow and he kind of. He, he gives you the look that only Nimoy could give, where he just kind of glances to you to the side and you see the eyes just regard you for a moment. And he does a slight head nod. And in that moment, I'd like to make a medical examination. Is this really Spock? Uh, how strong is he? Could I take him down? Uh, okay, let's do our first roll. Could I mm-hmm. kill Commander-in-Chief <laughs> Spock? Uh, go ahead and make your roll. I'm going to set this, uh, I'll set this as difficulty two. Okay, and uh, I assume this is going to be like a medicine check? Mm-hmm, insight medicine. I would like to use bold medicine, please, and just give you some threat for an extra die. I love you, Xander. No! <laughs> Xander, you're going to be chaos child, aren't you? <laughs> you say that medicine. like it's new and different. <laughs> okay. So we have uh, two successes... Um, would a focus in survival come into play? Mm, Probably not here, no. Okay, two successes. No. Okay, so with two successes, what you you get off of, as you're you're getting a read off of this character, what you get is, uh, it's certainly a real humanoid. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is clearly flesh and blood. Uh, For all intents and purposes, looks like a real Vulcan. Mm Mm-hmm. clearly resembles Spock, though no one has seen him since he was deposed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you see the similarities, but the, the face is ancient. <laughs> and sure. so it's kind of it is shocking to see, but it does resemble him. Um he, you're not sure how strong he is per se, mm-hmm. but he doesn't move with difficulty. Okay. And what you know about Vulcan physiology is even into their old age um, they can be dangerous, uh, especially especially Vulcans who are losing their capacity to control their emotions. And you can see this like analytical look on Reku's face as he's just sort of analyzing. And as soon as Spock notices this happening, this charming smile, I'm going to take good care of you. Spock doesn't respond. And we'll continue to escort him wherever. Cyvek just looks at everyone and says, then let's go. We're headed to the transporter room now. We'll take commandeer the ship that has been prepared for us. And we'll be underway. Cardassian, I assume that you are coming with us. We leave now. Uh, did he just call me a Cardassian? Yes, he did. He looks at him and says, you will address me as Gull, and gets up and goes. Cybek just says, go, as you walk past him. You're all led to the transporter room. O'Brien following after you. The general says, you're also going to find some new toys waiting for you on board your new vessel. Taken from some of the technologies that we stole from the other universe. This was a ship that was constructed not too long ago, and we've added some new holographic technology to it that I think you'll find interesting good hunting 
And without another word, O'Brien turns on his heel and gives Cyvek a look. And then, for those of you who catch it, as he's departing, Cyvek turns away, and as Cyvek begins to step up on the transporter bed, O'Brien's eyes slowly fall to the commander. And he gives a nod, a slow nod. And then pivots on his heel and walks out. You all step up onto the transporter pad. Uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. You never thought you would find yourself here at Gull the Cat, but here you are in this transporter pad on Earth of all places, Terra, as it were. Um, as everyone loads up onto the transporter pad, Spock silently standing behind all of you. A few moments later, uh, you feel the cool blue glow of the transporter pad activating that tingling sensation as you're all deatomized and then transported to the next transporter pad and space dock just over the skies of, of Terra. And as you materialize in the, in the new sort of makeshift space docks that are being constructed out here above Terra, since the other ones were completely obliterated, you find yourselves uh, gazing out over a starship you have never seen before. You see, um, as you step off the transporter pad, you see a long corridor that takes you directly uh, to the docking bay of the starship itself. The starship is sleek looking. It's not big so much as it is like on a plane and long where it has nacelles branched off to the side. For those, for a better sense of what it looks like, this is an Akira class vessel. And you see clearly painted across the top of it, the designation ISS def uh, Audacity. You're gazing out over this ship as it sits in uh, space dock. Cyvek just says, let's go. Going to enjoy this one, my pet. Look at all those weapons. Yes, when do I get to play? Soon, soon, darling. <laughs> just remember. And I run my finger down one of McCrell's claws. We're going to give the captain everything he deserves. Just like the general said, all right? Yes, mistress, I understand. Good girl. Let's go. If you can picture sort of the slow motion tombstone walk of this group walking down this corridor to the hard seal of where the audacity is docked. Um, the lot of you moving closer and closer, Spock behind all of you moving uh, kind of discreetly, slowly. Um, coming on board the audacity, you see immediately you're greeted by, uh, it's a bit of a shock to the system, Olin, because as everyone boards, as the door goes, slides open and you step into the airlock facility, you see uh, a security officer waiting for you, flanked by six security officers behind him. It is Yuri Prawl. Um, you see uh, one of his eyes has been burrowed into and is blackened and removed. He has what looks like uh, an open scarring, much like, much like uh, Martok did. Sort of this big shot over his eye. Um, He's standing at attention, and his eye just flickers just a second 
upon seeing you, Olin, just for a split second, there's this recognition before he <clears throat> welcome aboard the audacity. I understand you're taking command, Captain Sivek. Sivok says, yes, that is correct. Take me to the bridge and I'll relieve your current captain immediately. Of course, please follow me. And hesitates only for a moment before pivoting and leading the security team out. Uh, being telepathic, McCrell, you sense a ripple of emotion suddenly in the room. It's too powerful to miss. A ripple of regret, shock, disgust, and anger. Just a ripple of emotion. And then it's gone. You're all led up to the bridge, entering under the turbo lift one by one until the turbo lift finally arrives at its destination. Gull the Cat, this is the first time you've seen a Starfleet vessel like this. This is going to be very valuable information gathering. Uh, this vessel is using technologies from the other universe, which the Terran Empire cheated quite often and got their hands on whenever they could, that gave them the edge during the rebellion. Um, this is becoming very informative, and it's also a testament to how much they're willing to let you see. Perhaps there's some sincerity in the Commonwealth's desire for peace after all. They're letting you on board this new ship. For her, that remains to be seen. Either they are incredibly stupid and they've just let me walk into their ship, or <laughs> this is genuine a genuine olive branch to be seen. Okay. You or they're just the... planning to dispose of her <laughs> and they don't care what she sees before that. Which would honestly fall into the first category of being incredibly naive. Hmm. You step out onto the bridge. The turbo lift arrives. Shh. Stepping onto the bridge of the Audacity, you see the expansive tactical looking bridge of the ISS Audacity. This has full combat information displays at command. Uh, this place is sleek. It is definitely more advanced than any other starship you've seen so far. The bridge looks very practical. There is a lot of open space. There are no unnecessary steps. There are a lot of handrails for people who need, to, who need them in case there is a turbulent impact on the hull. Um, the captain stands up. Captain stands at about, I say about 5'8 or so is dressed in a black leather jacket, has two tumpa hanging down by uh, their side. You see a shaved head and trill spots going from their foreheads all the way down their neck as Janil Makdir stands up at attention as you see the four pips on their collar. And they say, welcome aboard the Audacity. I take it you're the new captain? That's right, Captain. I'll be taking over center chair. I'm told you're the one that brought us this vessel good catch. Janiel smiles and says, wasn't really a catch. I had a captain who was a fool and decided to donate himself to a bunch of techno zombies. I trust you'll return this ship without too many scratches. I still plan on using her one day. I can make that promise. Good. Then you have the con. I stand relieved. Good hunting, captain. 
Janiel makes their way past and pauses just for a second as they look at you, Sul, and then they continue on, headed towards the turbo lift. And the door Ivek takes a seat, center chair, and says, status report. Assume your position's on the bridge. Everyone starts to take their positions and says, now then, show me this new executioner officer program. Computer, activate the Exio. Describe yourself. Um, you see a medium tall, about 5'9", um, very triangle-shaped body. Uh, it's very slender, but clearly very toned. Um, and long blonde hair that is braided very intricately down her back. Um, and she wears a band around her head that uh, has a sort of hollow emitter. Um, so uh, if you're gonna take a headshot, that'll be the actual thing. Um, and um, very stiff, very blank face. You have activated the Executioner Officer Program. Excellent. You are the holographic assassin, I take it. That is correct. Would you like to assign me a target? There's a long moment of hesitation. And he says, no, not, not now. You may deactivate. Deactivating. Now then. You just hear Makoko, I like her. It's not a her, it's an it. I like it. There's some chirping on the thing, on, on the uh, the console next to his right, and you see this, this little hollow emitter stand up, and as he picks it up and looks at it and says, and it's portable. Good. Sets that back down into the chair. Clear our moorings. I want us out of here now. One quarter impulse power. The crew begins to scramble unprepared for the sudden commands as everyone gets underway. Um, moments later, the ISS Audacity pulls out of space dock at one quarter impulse power. This fully armed and operational escort. Um, a blade of armor fully equipped with quantum torpedoes. Uh, this is the most advanced starship currently in the fleet. Or at least that's what you believe. There's a lot of legend and rumor surrounding this ISS Ross. It's rumored that it was an experimental ship taking some of the technologies that were brought from the other universe. There are rumors that the Terrans installed upon it a new kind of weapon system that utilized a secondary warp core. What kind of weapon would draw upon the power of a secondary warp core? Whatever it is, though, it must be fearsome because no ship has returned since its encounter with the Ross. And with that, Cyvek orders the Audacity to jump to warp. Your target is the Trailless Core System. 
You're two days out. And the audacity leaps. That first night on board the audacity, the captain orders everyone to a dinner in the captain's cabin so he can get to know his bridge crew. Um, everyone is gathering around, taking seat at the table. Exio is also present, not doing anything, just active, standing like a bodyguard 10 feet away from the table in complete rather terrifying frozen state no expression just standing. no expression she isn't blinking the only reason you can tell she is on aside from the fact that she is visible um and only slightly you've noticed since you've seen her that she has been like her opacity is not full she is a little transparent she isn't blinking there's just slight breath movements that are probably just uh, non-controllable at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hear the clacking of silverware against dinner plates as the food is delivered. Um, and as it's set down, the doors close and Cybex says, so we're all going out there to kill someone. What do you all know about Admiral April Abair? Anybody know anything? Nothing. Just what? What's that? Can I can I roll for it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, can I roll for knowing something about? Absolutely. I would say make a command insight. Ooh. Well, let me hold on. I'm just gonna be like. I know that she would make a tasty meal. <laughs> You're gonna eat her. Standard human, probably reckless. Probably weak. Yeah, I'd like to roll too, given my my background. So, okay. Did you say uh, command insight, Eric? Yeah. Okay, great. What's our difficulty? Uh, so the difficulty of this is two. Okay. Oh, M. Are these two separate checks or would these be assist rolls is the question or is this um i'd say these are two separate checks okay yeah i got a one and a six my friend okay <laughs> yes cardassians have made a good study of admiral april abrer uh she was an opponent that y'all had to con uh, had to worry about um three successes all right so go ahead and add uh, all that momentum to your pool y'all are gonna need it um Yes, indeed. Uh, Admiral April Hebert is a tactical genius, methodical and ruthless. Uh, you're making a terrible, terrible mistake underestimating her or assuming that she is weak. She has not only destroyed most of the enemies that she's ever gone up against, but she's also managed to kill a bunch of Terrans that she has gone up against. And she's managed to, uh, supposedly, she has turned an entire crew's worth of loyalists to the Commonwealth against the Commonwealth and is now commanding one of the most powerful starships currently flying in the stars for the Commonwealth. The Ross is a juggernaut of a ship. Heavily armored. The stats that y'all have on that ship place it um, as pretty powerful. And this is an advantage that y'all are going to have over the Ross because you're going to get the stats of the USS Ross. 
the ISS Ross, rather, has backup conduits, rapid-fire torpedo launchers, redundant systems, secondary reactors, ablative armor, and an improved shield recharge. It is a giant tank in space. It is designed to take all the punishment and regenerate all of that power very quickly every time it needs to use it. There is also a weapon that it has, though there's no information on it. Because apparently this weapon was developed around the time the Terran Empire was crumbling <laughs> and it was top secret and the people that developed this destroyed a bunch of the files. Now, the weapon was thought to be inert and when the USS Ross became part of the Galactic Commonwealth, it was just assumed it was a weapon that could not be accessed. There is belief now, considering how many ships have been sent to destroy the Ross, that Hebert has found out how to get that ship to operate to its full potential. If you want to know any other information, let me know, because I have the stats right in front of me. But you would have a tactical readout of what the Ross is capable of. Scale 6, Resistance 8. It's a big, tough ship. 15 total shield power. I, I, I'd love to actually spend one of the momentum to learn a little bit about more about like this world, April O'Bearer's like psychology specifically about sure. how uh, she handles, um, how she handles enemies. Does she play with her food or does she, uh, is she like pretty militaristic? You described her as methodical and ruthless, but um, I think that any more specific that you can get would be great. Abear is the type of person that if it meant killing you, she would detach the saucer section and run the bottom half of the ship into you. Beautiful. She's She is to the point. Mm -hmm. She does not play with her food. She doesn't try. She leaves this when she wants to make a statement. She leaves that for the living. She doesn't ritual. She doesn't ritualize anything. She wants the exactitude of the violence that she commits on other people to, to be. She wants it to be sudden and terrifying. So that by the time it happens, it's done. And all you have time to do is reflect over what just happened. She is all shock and awe. And she's known for out of the box thinking. She got to be an admiral because she was a terrifying captain in the Terran Empire before she switched sides. Honestly, I can respect that. So captain, what makes this fight different from all other fights? How's the audacity going to do what the other four couldn't? Supreme firepower, my dear commander. We're going to come in and we're going to utilize the new weapon systems on board. We're going to drill a hole right through the Ross and then I'm going to send a holographic assassin to deal with our captain, our wayward admiral. So you're going to leave all of this up to a computer program? And I'll point at Exio. He looks at you and says, look around you, doctor. How much is left to a computer program? The air you breathe, the instruments you use, the navigation that we use, the weapon systems, everything. Exio, as far as I'm concerned, is just as accurate as a photon torpedo, except I get to beam it in front of their admiral. One of the problems about relying on technology is being up close to flesh and blood, Captain. Some things technology are not capable of doing. Technology can be compromised. So, so can people. people. 
And <laughs> we say that at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time uh, she spoke in the whole meeting. That actually gets a glance from the captain. And then he looks back at you and says, very well, doctor, you will go with her. Well, I certainly wasn't volunteering. Olin kind of flicks their eyes at Sivek. Sivek doesn't look at you. He stares. It's also worth noting that since Exio spoke just now, he immediately shifted from calling it it. <laughs> um, but he stares at you, doctor, and says, I don't require volunteers. I'm the captain of this vessel. I require loyalty. Yes, sir. And I'll sit down. Uh, you'll notice that in front of Reku, there is like a bare plate um, with with nothing on it, uh, and he hasn't eaten anything. You are an abomination of the prime universe, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> okay. Silence falls over the dinner table as he goes back to eating his food. Clanking of dishes, the sounds of cutlery on the plates, people having their cups refilled, and the silence stretches on and on. The only person that seems to be perfectly at home here is the hologram that's standing 10 feet behind the captain. Uh, <laughs> Her too. What's that? Olin has been studying her too. Mm. Oh yes. Uh, since the meal has gone quiet, you will have noticed that every uh, few minutes or so, she changes her gaze to the next person, and she's just been doing that throughout the entire dinner. Olin definitely gets into a staring competition with her and does not blink. To break yeah. that, Reku sort of clears his throat in Olin's direction. <clears throat> <laughs> you, uh, not to, not to be rude, but, you know, as the physician of the ship, you seem a little, well, Terran. And, and Olin looks at Sivik again. Sivik glances at you and says, Yes? We both know you have no intention of putting me, uh, of not putting me on this mission. You wish to be on this mission? It is a tactical advantage. You wish to be a part of the boarding party then? How else do you think I ended up assigned to this? I assumed you upset someone. <laughs> and Olin just tilts their head. Gosh, I wonder who. <laughs> hmm. He glances at you again and says, very well. You will attend Exio and you will attend Reku. I assure you, you're not going to finish the job. I am not going to finish the job? And Olin doesn't say anything else. Sivik glances around the dinner table for a moment, taking stock of everyone. 
And then his eyes slowly fall back over to you, Olin. Olin. He folds his hands in front of him, and you see this cold, cold gaze, which is usually what happens in a Vulcan is on the verge of an outburst. Um, you can feel that emotional state building inside of him, and as he leans forward onto the table, he says, One of the things that I learned coming up through the ranks is that if you want to make an adversary of somebody, if you want to threaten them, don't. Simply don't. Don't warn them. And don't prepare them. Because, of course, Who's to say that during transport you don't end up on the hull of the ISS Ross while the strike team is beamed inside? That's always been the thing about you, Cybeck. I've never had to threaten you. And I'm not threatening you now. I'm just letting you know what's what. Of course you aren't. We are all on the same ship, working toward the same goal. And if Cyvek just feels a little dose of calm, then maybe that happened. Maybe that didn't. But Sol is going to tension break here. Okay. Exo stands up for the crew. And the captain, you see the shoulders release a little bit of tension as it goes back to his food. May I be excused? You're dismissed. Olin stands up and exits. Reku also stands they, and exits. Yeah, yeah, before they do, they do uh, like toss a look in Sol's direction, and like their their expression is completely unreadable, um, but they acknowledge Sol and they leave. All right. Of all people, I think I lock eyes with Gullacat, and she'll probably sense just the lightest flavor of, are you also seeing this shit? <laughs> oh, and I think that is the first time that you get an actual, like, motion little reading out of her, as opposed to uh, just blankness and she's like yes i am absolutely seeing this bullshit. <laughs> um does reiku walk out actually reiku is on the way to walking out yeah uh yeah. says nothing as you stand up and and leave the room because if he's out of that room um then i think that the only people in the room are soul um the the it and the cat um and so jane is gonna turn to uh Cybeck and say uh we have this saying on Cardassia, keep your shit behind closed doors. Do we need to be concerned about what just happened there? Would you like me to shut more doors? No. And then I'm going to look over at, uh, at Azri Sol and go, would you like me to find out shit? Hmm. It'll come up under our shoes soon enough, Kitty. Go back to uh, your food. sets the cutlery down on the table and says, I've suddenly lost my appetite and pushes <laughs> the food away. 
Are you gonna run away from this one, Vulcan? All right. Run away? Do we need to be concerned? You didn't answer my question. I care little for your concern, Gull the Cat. You're here as an observer. So far as I'm concerned, you can bite your nails in the corner as you fret over things. It makes no difference to me. It becomes an issue when it seems to interrupt even the most basic of interactions. You are here as a courtesy. You were invited to my dinner table as politeness. If it's not to your liking, you shall not receive another invitation. Agreed? She says nothing. She's just smiling now. <laughs> well, I think this has served its purpose. I have certainly gotten to know my new staff. You all seem to be staff. Dismissed. That we are, sir. That we are. This was a nice dinner. Thank you. He just scratches at his chin and says, leave. Captain Zybeck. Permission to stay active? I would like to observe the crew. Very well, you may stay active. Confirmed. And then she saunters out without a word. Just walk out the door. Uh, also, I just realized that we she's been going by Jane LeCat. It's actually going to be Cora. Um, Cora, your original Cardassian name. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. let's let's go with Cora. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cora would like to roll to kill that man in his sleep. You want to try to assassinate the captain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and this is why I chose to stay active. I no, honestly, that is the only reason it's probably not gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> catches you watching, yeah, um, especially because who knows what that might ignite between the Commonwealth and oh, the Cardassian so Empire. So um, but Saul gets another look, um, almost as a. Uh, do you? Sol just gets a look. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nightcap with me and Macrell. You oh, say that to the captain? Uh, no, to the to gull. The cat? Okay. Finally, someone knows how to be a host around here. Come back to our quarters. Uh, watching you all leave, Cyvek does do the Vulcan eyebrow raise as he watches all of you head out. Um, the door is open to your quarters. Shh, it's the three of you enter. Macrell, pour us a drink. Yes, mistress. Is this your first time working with the Vulcan? It's my first, yes, though. Not Olin's, I'm sure you noticed. I'll let them tell you the details. I only know them from working in similar circles, but the history is obvious. The history is extremely obvious. I do not have to have, have had worked with them in order to know that. Um, 
But I did mean it. I hope they can keep their shit behind closed doors. Or... I've always believed that... Uh, sometimes things make themselves apparent in order to weed out the weak. I couldn't agree more. To close doors and open airlocks. And they toast to that. Um, what does your room look like? Mm. Mm. We just got here, and Macrell mm. hasn't even had time to unpack. Except for her weapons. Those, I think, are robustly displayed already. So, very much prioritizing the important things. I'll give you a tour, if you like, of my corner. You know what? I think she misses Orwell. So, yeah, she would love the tour. <laughs> Kitty corner. Kitty corner. But yeah, um, I think that she toasts to that. And have a nice drink. You do notice, uh, Rave, there is... Like in the collection of weapons I have, I also have a, a Cardassian weapon uh, collected. We don't give those up so easily. Where'd you get that one? It was a memento. Did this memento come willingly? I don't feel like I have to ask that question. Let me rephrase. A wager to win it off of you? To win it back from you? You would like to wager to win that back? Absolutely. I mean, it's Cardassian property. It only seems hmm. right. But I wouldn't steal it from you, considering what generous host you've been to me so far. I can at it least is, allow you that. It is McCrell property. Uh, she's gonna look at you, Saul, because it's your property because it's McCrell's property. So, <laughs> uh, for acknowledging that comment, she wants an acknowledgement from you. The smile what? says, possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> um, and that's all I need to know. Well then, a wager to McCrow. Do what you is... consider yourself a betting kitten? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then I'm just going to look, like the smile never wavers. And I'll just be like, do not call me a kitten. Well then, McCrell, the cat. The the hair bristles a little bit. Mm. Only one person is allowed to call her any pet name. I'm trying to think about what Jane wants to wager on. There's like a million things right now. Um, 
what should we wager on? Let's wager on what that secret weapon is on the Ross. Do you have any guesses? I have some hypotheses. Well, name one, and you, Captain Saul, shall be the judge of it, and whoever is closer shall get the Cardassian weapon. Well, I hate to be discourteous, but I'm not a captain yet. I'm only a commander. Oh, shoot. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the mirror universes collide. Mirror universes. <laughs> But Saul does say that and then lean back and have a sip of her drink. Okay. Not a captain yet. Okay. Mysterious. Cora thinks it's hot, but... <laughs> the queer universe. She's used to it. The queer <laughs> universe. It really is right now. Um, all right. Any guesses? A secret weapon... I think is not a secret. I think it might be a trick. A trick? All right. When we get there, I will find out what the secret weapon is. You think it's a trick? I'm going to say then that it's a very big gun. Or a very big phaser. Sorry, this universe. Very big phaser. Uh, <laughs> let's drink to that. Why not? A good wager and good fun. I just look around and I go, I don't drink. Mm. Anyway. Well, here's to that. And I just go right back to Sam. I just go right back to Sol. Mm. And just patiently wait next to, the, uh, next to her. Yeah, <laughs> um, you all begin to feel the the reverberations of the ship leaving warp. You can see the star streams outside, and the ship leaves, goes in into full impulse, setting up in the the med bay. Because uh, I assume that there is like at least a small one on ship. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a triage unit type of thing. Uh, but Reku definitely is going to start investigating like what's known about the ISS Ross already. What can we prepare for that type of thing? Yeah, the ISS Ross, as I was saying before, um, yeah. it has 13 shield power, 8 resistance, 6 scale. It is a powerful ship. Mm -hmm. um, it hits, its phaser rays hit about as hard as the Audacities. Um, it's it is a mighty big ship. It's a lot of power to it. Um, it's the, the the big unknown is what its weapon does. Uh, um, remind me, do we have like communicators or is it a panel mm -hmm. system? Yep. Okay, yep. communicators. Yep. So Reku will uh, open a comms channel. Um, Doctor Lenatus to Olin Majanil. Yes. How can I help you? Please report to my sick bay at your earliest convenience. Thank you. Of course. Reku out. Computer, activate the, the, whatever, execution, the, what was it called? The, 
Computer, activate the hologram. Uh, <laughs> so, Exio, wherever you are on the ship, uh, you receive a command coming through the computer that one of the crew members has requested you. There are no other holograms on this ship? Not. Nope. Welcome to the Mirror Universe. <laughs> Good to know. There is no other holograms on board the vessel. Um, she, like, plays the your request <laughs> to hear what it sounded like. <laughs> and then confirm. And um, uh, she Blip. presses a sort of thing and, and blips. Okay. Um, All right. The Exio Execution. Program. Execution officer program activated. How may I be assistance? Yes, uh, a query. Do you have the guidance system for the ISS Ross? The guidance system? Do I? Or the schematics for the guidance system, sorry. Uh, that is uh, that is in the main computer? The, the ship schematics are in the main computer. Did you activate me to activate the computer for you? Computer, deactivate sarcasm protocol. Yes, I have the ship. Great. Uh, pull it up for me, please, in a, another hologram. Of course. Okay. And we'll wait for display. Uh, yeah, please. I'd imagine around that time is when Olin sort of saunters in. Walks in. Ah, glad you could join me. Listen. I'm not happy about going on this thing and I'm stuck with this computer program. And so it's just nice to have another person. Here's the ship schematics. Uh, go ahead and ask the computer anything that you want. Okay. We're basically acting as your backup, correct? After all, correct. you are the assassin. Confirmed. Do you always look like this? This is my starter presentation. <laughs> I'm um, not entirely sure how this is going to go. It could be very, uh, it could go super smoothly and we end up right where we need to be, or we could end up having to worm our way through the ship. And it's very possible that you might need to look a little bit more solid than that. I can look however I need to. Excellent. Um, you, however, are going to stick out like a sore thumb. Hmm. Yes. I'm actually I not entirely sure why Cyvik said it was okay for you to go on this. Yes, I also have a query. Why hmm. do we need a medical professional when our mission is to execute? He did it to rile me up. Oh, I'm the target of your anger then. My suffering and my career and my accolades have nothing to do with my performance on the job. It's merely as a stabbing maneuver emotionally against you personally. I have no thought. I clearly. Look, I was planning on talking to him anyway about all of this. I just... I didn't ask to come on this mission. I got assigned to it, not exactly knowing what was going to happen. And the moment I saw him. <sighs> saw who? 
Well, that's a story for another time. <laughs> so there's a history there. right now. Is it relevant to the mission? It that's should be disclosed not, immediately. It's not, and that's why I'm not telling you about it. Confirmed. Well, why don't we have a little bit of story time then? Mm. All right? The Terrans are the ones responsible for burning my entire village down. My whole family, my brother. How do you think I ended up looking like this, okay? So maybe I'm here for a reason. Maybe it's my destiny. If you want a piece of April, uh, of April I'm not going to stand in your way. You would be a fool to. <laughs> I've been doing this a lot longer than you have. Hologram, prepare for emergency cosmetic surgery. I will be initiating the protocol at 0800 hours. Have the medical professionals uh, see to me as well. Confirmed. Have we deceased with the story time? <laughs> I do not have that program. I can tell. Sorry. A uh, story time for the hologram here. Zero zero one zero 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 one. Very sad. Let's move on. I do not feel sad. I, know. I do not have an emotional capacity. Mm -hmm. Would you like to activate the emotional capacity? Never. Confirmed. Can do that? Yes. It can be helpful on missions to have emotions at limited mm. capacity. Learn something new every day. They trust are not me. real. They are an imitation. Oh, trust me, Do most of us are envious of you. I'd love to no longer be able to feel, or feel anyone else for that matter. That can oh. be achieved with my skills. So there is something about you then, Olin. You are able to feel what I'm feeling? I look human for a reason. Why? Well, how else do I infiltrate their ranks and get their secrets? But whose side are you really playing for then? Well, therein lies the rub. If I had it my way, I'd have fucked off a long time ago and not played for either. I'll follow you then. And he just turns back to setting plans. <laughs> okay. While this has all been happening. What, wait, what, really quickly, what did you ask me to do? Reku? Uh, Reku? We were yeah. just coming up with a plan for infiltrating. But didn't you ask me to set up a cosmetic surgery thing? Oh, yes, yeah. Because uh, Reku is going to go under cosmetic surgery to look like something else mm. for the mission. She does very rudimentary nurse assisting work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can clearly tell that she has zero programming for this, but she just generally understands at least a portion of this and is just mimicking mostly what she she's studied the nurses around you for four seconds and then yeah. started doing what they did. She's just like... She's no like idea what the hell this is. This is not what she was made for. <laughs> One of the nurses just tells you to leave. You're just causing more problems. <laughs> and I turn off. <laughs> <laughs> Blip. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so one of the things that has happened while all of this has been taking place is the ship has come out of warp near Vulcan, and the former head of the Terran Empire, this ancient Vulcan Spock, has been beamed off the US or the ISS Audacity. You are now underway in the second part of your trip as Spock departs the Audacity with the intention of reaching out and sort of launching a counter-propaganda program against uh, April Bear as she is constantly broadcasting uh, signals out to possible supporters every single day. Um, which, by the way, it probably would occur to you, Commander, that Bear would not be broadcasting through subspace two reasons. One, it would be easy enough to lock her out of using subspace uh, transceivers all across the, 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 the Commonwealth. But the second thing is, is that uh, you're pretty sure she is just laying a very obvious trap. But it's entirely possible you would require probably a command role to double check on that. But that's for I would later. love to. Yeah, um, I would say... Yeah, inside command check with a difficulty of, I'd say four. All right, uh, I'd like to take momentum, so I'm okay. going to, okay. because it's the mirror universe and I take what I want. <laughs> uh, does my sense motive? Yes, that this? would come into play. If Perfect. you have strategy or tactics or anything like that, would also come into play. But yeah. <laughs> I love rerolls. <laughs> this twenty is a crit now, uh, so that's uh, five, uh, four from me exactly. Okay, so four successes. That yeah. means all right. So what you get from this behavior is that that Abear is the type of person that would do this so that you would assume that they were laying a trap so that they could lay a trap. In other words. This doesn't really tell you anything. There's too many layers to her strategy to reveal anything anything logical about this, but it should be safe to assume that her broadcasting is being done from a place of safety, from a tactically safe position, so that anyone who is trying to track down where she is broadcasting from, not that finding her is going to be particularly hard. She doesn't seem to be hiding it. Ships have been dispatched. She's easy enough to find on long-range sensors. It's not like she has a cloaking device. Um, but um, but her accessing the subspace arrays, she would need an insider for that. You're certain of it. And even though she's sending out pulses and messages, uh, it's enough that it kind of raises suspicion. My cat is in charge of calm comms, isn't she? Who is? As part of my my cat uh, as part of security. Yes. Uh, yes. She mm. will hear a thought to per to pull the comms logs and send them to me. Okay, I'm gonna have you roll then, Macrell. Okay. So I would like you to roll, and the audacity will assist on this. Excellent. Hey. What am uh, I rolling? So I 
think this would be a control. I guess I'll roll the audacity. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's control engineering. Engineering, or con? No, it wouldn't be con. Um, this would but probably be, this would probably be it, it would probably be control security actually. Oh good, let's do that one. <laughs> um, Great. Yeah, this is because you are literally trying to pull the the secured records off of. So I'm going to say control security on that. Yes, and I agree. We'll roll computer, audacity. I'm sorry. The, the audacity is going to roll uh, computers and uh, I think computer security as well. Okay. Or rather, I'm sorry, communication security. That would be that's the one I was looking for. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take momentum. This going, the difficulty of this is going to be three. I'm going to use my <laughs> bold security hey, to get a extra die. I love it. To initiate. Pile on. Get that extra d20. Well, actually, wait, I don't have to. I can just spend a momentum and get an extra d20. I don't have to use it unless I have to reroll. So put that threat away, Mr. Campbell. I will initiate it if I have to reroll. Backseas, but okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot that that's what Bolt does. Okay, uh, so but I'm gonna take it for an extra die. All right. Ooh. Damn it! Of course I dropped it. Hold on. <laughs> Hang on, everyone. <laughs> Floor dice. Floor dice. <laughs> it's not even the right die. It's a different die that I dropped last <laughs> week. Where's my D20? Okay, it well. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Star Trek game on first contact day if you didn't lark sage something. <laughs> It's very true. That is, uh, I have a, oh gosh. Well, I have a focus in tactical systems. I don't think that would work. Uh, no. Um, uh, then this three successes. Three successes? Mm -hmm. No okay. help from the audacity, unfortunately. Three successes is what you needed. Yes. There are a lot of command protocols covering the tracks of some of the communications that have been through the USS Ross, uh, Audacity's computer, the ISS Ross. Uh, okay, Eric, focus for a second. <laughs> the IS, I'm, it's the reason why is because I've got the Ross's character sheet pulled up in front of me and I'm staring at it as I'm narrating the Audacity. <laughs> so my autopilot brain goes right back to the Ross. Um, there's a lot of security protocols that are overlapping some of the con traffic that has been going through the ISS Audacity. And one of them looks like it's encrypted mysteriously. It's enough to flag suspicion. Following that down the rabbit hole, McCrell, you find that a lot of these files have been encrypted and deleted. Oh, no. Um, but they are from the highest command protocols. With a three success, you were able to access them. There's no trace as to what the messages said or where even they were sent. As I said, they were deleted, but it's impossible to remove the fact that they came from the captain. There's only um, one person that has that level of clearance on board the vessel. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to um, transfer it all to a secure data pad. Okay. To give to my mistress. Okay. So no one knows. Okay. She has it. All right. Do I get a treat? <laughs> you do. Good girl. Yes. So as you look at the data pad, you see confirmation that O'Brien gave you 
uh, the suspicions seem to register correctly. You were told all you needed to do was see the empty receipts of those transmissions to confirm what the intelligence operatives have already started to suspect. This is what you've been waiting for. Kitty, be a dear. Yay. Go give Cora that knife. As a token of goodwill. Yes, mistress, I will do. That is where we're going to pause for our break. <laughs> we'll be back in 10 minutes, y'all. Don't go anywhere. Saying that Martinez would have been a decent, you know, target or queen. If oh. I think that's probably where he ended up. Hmm. Ideally. I mean, that's, that's, I think, I think, I think she was charmed by the grenade that he held to the back of her skull. I think that was kind of like a bouquet of flowers for the Borg queen, you know? What a romantic gesture. That's what I thought. So. A boomkay. A boomkay, one might say. Um, and then I heard Dr. Tristan took over the whole collective. The whole collective, which is so weird, but like mm. the collective was into it. So <laughs> they Who were just like, we oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should do it. We should do it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, now that that's done, let's go ahead and jump back into tonight's episode of Clear Skies, our special fan unlock episode, The Mirror Universe. Currently, the ISS Audacity is en route to intercept the ISS Ross, a rogue capital ship out in the middle of nowhere that's been slowly spreading disinformation and propaganda in order to reignite the Terran Empire. Your task is to find the Red October, and destroy her. So, with that in mind, we're picking up where we left off. Right now, we're in Commander Sull's quarters. Commander Sull has just given an order. Um, and before we go any further, just so we get this out of the way, why don't we go through some character descriptions real quick? So, Sull, you're in your quarters right now. What do we see when we see Sull of the Mirror Universe? Well, She's dressed in the traditional Orion manner, which is to say, not so much. But what is notable here, perhaps, what I think we'll say Cora notices as she puts her top back on is that it's not just that it leaves nothing to the imagination, it leaves it very clear that there are no weapons on her, which is a kind of flex of its own. Hmm. Uh, long hair, for the most part, looks like someone we would recognize, strangely. There are some token attempts at, at a feminine touch, but you see a uh, McCrell helping do up the eyeliner and the hair and you see where the femme comes and it's not from her. It's from her. That's all. Tell me what McCrell looks like. Um, McCrell looks like McCrell without the lab coat, obviously, and the doctor's uniform. Um, she's wearing a very simple, um, I wouldn't say armor, it's not hard. It's probably like a soft leather uh, armor and mm -hmm. one shoulder comes out and she only has the one. Uh, 
so for her do her dominant paw to be able to be moved freely in case she has to do something quick. Um, probably a, a little a little rougher looking. Some scars on her arms and, and torso, if you saw, um, from rough play, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and um, probably the one thing you you would notice if you like knew, if you were comparing Macrell's is that there's no real empathy in her eyes at all. Um, she doesn't really care about anyone but her mistress, of course. But uh, no empathy, uh, kind of a almost like a Cheser cat grin at all times, kind of slightly, slightly mad. Homicidal uh, looking. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. yes. Descriptions you've given me. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Um, let me know what uh, Olin looks like. This mirror universe version of Olin. Uh, so Olin looks like, as far as build and coloring and all that stuff goes, exactly the same. Um, still very much like kind of a, a, a black and gold and white, uh, black and gold motif instead of white and gold with a. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, statement colors so like they're often like in like bright like a bright base like maybe cat suit type deal with like um a, a a fairly bulky like black vest over it and like gold accessories mm -hmm. um uh they look so olin of prime material like always looks kind of very like professional and slightly somber like olin in this uh universe looks a lot more um, angry and pained all the time, um, as if they're constantly going through it, like even more than Olin of the Prime, prime uh, universes. Um, and uh, they wear combat boots, like like up to their shin. Um, but yeah, like kind of a no muss, no fuss, sort of like, I'm here to get the job done, get in, get mm -hmm. out, kind of a, kind mm -hmm. of a deal. Mm -hmm. And oh, they have hair. They've had cosmetic surgery done so that they do actually have like short cropped curly hair uh, that's graying at the temples. Um, so, okay, cool. not too unlike what's going on here. So. Gotcha. All right. Have we gotten Cora yet? What? I'm sorry. Have we gotten Cora yet? Description. Uh, no, I've just given the description that. Cora is dressed in the traditional looking Cardassian military uniform. Yeah, I would actually say that um, it's it's weirdly like it should be eerie how similar it is to Jane, actually. Um, it's just an older version of Jane who it's, 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 it's someone who had military their training their whole life as opposed to just like being in the military till their teens um, mm -hmm. is, is what I would say. Um, I think that they are very comfortable in their own skin. Um, uh, just plain simple ponytail, uh, long hair down the back. Um, some uh, women Cardassian are known to like paint um, the, the little spoon in their head. Um, I think Cora does. Um, I think that she 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 leans into that tradition, and so um, unlike Jane, who doesn't, um, Cora's uh, little spoon forehead thing is uh, blue. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well then, where we last left off, you've given an order. What would you like to do? 
I would like to go do the order. Okay. So you're going to track down uh, the gull and give her the dagger. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So departing the quarters, uh, you know, you all are on the same deck, so it doesn't take long to just walk down this long bending corridor past a few of the crew members who ox crew, mirror ox crew makes their way for you because they know you answer to the commander. They slide out of the way as you slink your way down the corridor towards the doors that lead into Gull Lacat's main living space. As and I'm get- legit just holding a weapon up. Yeah. Like, just nobody, like- nobody questions it. Nobody gets in your way. They just move away from you. As you chirp, hit the, the, the door ring button, as it were, and just the chirping sound inside your quarters, gull the cat. You only just walked in about maybe five minutes ago. Um, all right. So she's going to um, look through the little data pad, see who's there for her. And um, when she <laughs> you see there with a knife, she's going to say, have you come to kill me with my own weapon. Why would I do that? I wouldn't need this weapon to kill you. She's kind of interested in seeing how this is going to play out. So she opens the door, but she's got a hand on her phaser, um, just in case. Uh, (laughs) But the door opens and she says, you're right, this would be a very obtuse way of going about it. I would have pegged you for being a little bit sneakier than this. I am very sneaky. This is not sneaky. This is a gift from the mistress. It is a promise. We like to call these threats where I'm (laughs) from. But promise works just fine. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna like, as I'm holding it out to you for you to take it, I'm just gonna look and be like, I like your phaser. <laughs> mean, meaning, you know that McCrow will probably try and take that later, as they promise. I'm rather attached to it myself as well, and were it to disappear, I would certainly look for it until I found it. No that matter would, That would be horrible if it disappeared, wouldn't it? She's gonna take the weapon from you before you make any changes um, to your mind, and she's gonna like kind of like hold it up to the light, almost as if to examine it. Um, does, does it seem tampered with? Does it seem... Nope. Uh, is nope. this legit? Yeah. A promise, huh? Yes. Tell your mistress. For my sons, for all our sons. That's all, cat. And the, the, the door fur bristles. And the door closes. Is that right? And she closes the door on her. And the last thing you see is McCrell's hair bristling as and the door just closes in her face. <laughs> and uh, you're holding that dagger. Um, meanwhile, in what would be the equivalent of Ten Ford, which is actually just sort of a mess hall for the people, uh, we're going to 
cut to a scene where a bunch of people are gathered for an evening meal. Olin looking for some peace and quiet in the way from sort of the tumultuous relationships that are brewing among the command crew right now. Stepping into this command hall as the doors open, uh, you see there's a lot of officers in here, most notably Yeri Prawl, who is seated at one of the tables and eating by himself. Looks like everyone kind of gives him his space. <clears throat> um, it wasn't noticeable before, but it's clear to you now as he is sitting at the table that the the arm, the left arm of his body is segmented and looks prosthetic. It looks very... It looks very winter soldiery without that sort of glossy chrome. Instead, it looks like it has more of a natural tonality to it, but it is clearly a cybernetic arm, segmented and responding to the commands quite seamlessly as he sits there and eats at the table by himself. A couple of glances in your direction as you step in, Olin, but mostly they're just nods and the recognition of your rank as a senior officer. No one seems threatening. No one seems daring in any way. In fact, what you see is a mixture crew of both Terrans and non-Terrans, all sort of discussing, conversing with each other, engaging each other in a space together. It's kind of a jarring sight to see. One thing that they do that is unified, however, is they nod at you, like they look to you and nod, recognizing a senior officer walking in, someone who's going to lead them. The Ox crew acknowledges. Olin nods back to them and kind of glances around a little bit before making their way towards Prawl. Okay. You come to Prawl's table. He does not look up from his food. He continues just sticking a fork in whatever it is he's eating, this strange green substance that looks thick, but has also uh, sort of like a, the texture of cake underneath this thick green bleached substance on top. Olin sits down. <clears throat> How do you start a conversation like this? He says abruptly as he just looks up at you from the fork. You tell me. I'm the one looking at a dead man. I don't owe you anything. I never said you did. Then I don't have to tell you anything. Yuri. He pauses hearing his name and relaxes a little bit. Says. Do you leave me to die? No. If I had known you were still alive, I would have never left without you. I don't know if I believe that. What has he told you? Sivek? captain's a horse's ass. I don't please for him. At least we still agree on that. He told me he didn't expect for either of us to come back at all. He sent us on a suicide mission 
Now I think he's doing it again. He painted you like someone who threw me to the wolves. And you know what, Olin? He sets his fork down and leans across the table from you and says, Your hatred for the Terrans was enough to make me believe that maybe you would have sacrificed me just to watch a few more of them die. Is that true? You had the choice between me or killing a mortal enemy? If you're asking me that, then maybe you didn't know me as well as you thought you did. No shit. I can't believe you're here. Well, not all of me. You hear the clanking sound as he brings the fist down on the table. The parts that matter. These matter. It's who I am now, and I don't have a problem with that. My problem... is how I got them. Not that I got them. I don't know that I can trust you, and I certainly didn't think I was going to see you again. Just as surprised as you are. He didn't tell you I was alive? No, he didn't. <sighs> I want to hate you so much. Let's make it through this alive, and if we do, we'll see. But whatever happens, I don't know that it goes back to the way it was between you and me. I can live with a we'll see. I will live, for we'll see. This... I do know. Our chances of coming back alive from this mission dropped dramatically when they took Janiel out of the captain's chair. I don't know much about how Sivik likes to run a ship like this. But I'm going to tell you right now, Olin... A woman like Admiral April Abair is going to chew him up, and we're all going to get taken down with him. And I guess that just means I need to be about my shit. Or make your peace. That's what I do. You're always really good at that. Yeah. Yeah, I've had plenty of practice. What am I, I feeling off him? Uh, you were getting... 
there's certainly a sense of indignation. It's hard to see who it's directed at, but you are definitely getting the emotional flood of somebody who is angry by how not angry they are. There is a willful wall that has been put up. And in many ways, that's so much worse because it's somebody who is making a decision as opposed to responding to how they feel. Um, in many respects, there's, there's more of a finality to it. You can kind of feel this coldness that he's put up around himself. Um, you definitely don't feel bitterness, though, towards like his situation. It doesn't look like you, you sense a lot of sincerity. The, the, the prosthetic arm in the eye does not bother him at all. That's okay. Um, but there is a sense that he was genuinely curious to find out if you were disappointed whether or not he was alive still. That's where he started this conversation from. And it was not accusatory at all. He was trying to read you to find out, oh, are they disappointed? <laughs> that their plan didn't work? What's so kind of this? far from the truth. Um, I think that the, the that emotional wall, though, is enough to discourage Olin from attempting to make a telepathic connection with him in the mm -hmm. moment, because um, he's obviously not ready for that yet. So um, once it seems like the conversation has kind of started to come to its natural conclusion, uh, Olin stands up and just kind of, uh, they have their hands on their table and, and like, the fingers are kind of like twitching in that way of like, I really want to reach out and touch you, but I can't mm -hmm. uh, before they kind of push themselves away from the table. And I hope we'll talk soon. And then they kind of turn in. I will say at that moment, uh, uh, Olin spots a human coming right for them. Uh, they are about the same height as Reiku was, build. and you can see the same build, everything, uh, but fair skinned with like red hair pulled up into like a samurai top knot type of thing. Mm. Uh, and he's in a Terran sort of uniform coming up and just says, uh, we're getting into positions. Are you ready? Yeah, I need to change, but I'm good to go. The computer can meet us wherever. And then we'll head up. Okay. So at this point, what happens next? Or do we proceed to the next scene where the audacity is going to have an encounter? I feel like, uh, I mean, do you react to the message, Sol? This is the message that my mistress receives. She would like to have four sons. That's forward. Yes, I thought so too. I think it was code. I was trying to figure out what she meant by it. She said for all of the sons. So I think that she is desperate for 
male offspring. Not necessarily with you, I don't think, but mm. it might have been code that she wants to move forward and... Not even a mirror universe can change Macron. <laughs> <laughs> so Macron's trying so hard to interpret this coded message that uh, Gal Lacat gave. Okay. Uh, but but the, the initial feeling that I got off of hers that she understood our gift. Good. Then let's not tip our hand any more than we need to, okay? And I just boop the snoot. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, uh, she will not respond to Cora. No sons for you. Okay. Sun never sets. Sol will uh, go visit the computer thing. Uh, okay. But that's. Uh, where okay. is the computer thing? I mean, you can access the computer right here in your quarters, and actually, there's a hollow emitter in here if you want to summon her. <sighs> go test the tactical systems, William McCrow. Yes, mistress. <laughs> you leave to go to the bridge. <laughs> Stepping out. All right. Computer, give me the executioner thing. Commander. Walk around. Observe. Why were you put on this ship, anyway? My mission is to take out any target I am assigned. Who sets that mission? My current commanding officer. At the moment, is it, it is Olin Marginil. As they are at the head of security on my mission detail. Excellent. Very good Come to in. know. You're very helpful. Glad to be of assistance. Forgive me if my conversational skills are not up to par, Commander. All of my emotions and SAS protocols have been turned off permanently. Oh. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Confirmed. Why did they make you like this? I mean, or did you? You could look like anything, right? I can. This is my starting presentation. Are you going to change it? For the mission, most likely. I will probably have several different transformations throughout this mission, Commander. And after that? Oh, yeah. After that, you're a program. I don't even know why I bother. I'm going to grab a drink and sit down and <laughs> watch the thing. I've Do you have a suggestion for a different presentation? Does this one not please you? That's, that's not the point. The point is you should be able to choose. Not I don't you, understand. But you know, one. One should be able to. 
Happy if you'd try. like, we can speak to an engineer and see if we can have that program installed. <laughs> this oh, reminds me of John Connor talking to the Terminator. <laughs> you can't just go around killing people. Why? <laughs> that is my job. <laughs> I appear and present as the most needed form for the most immediate situation. I guess we have that in common. Cheers. At least there's a there's a slight head tilt at that comment, almost like the processing didn't quite commute, but there is an understanding. You understand chain of command, right? Confirmed. Good. That'll be all. Get out of here. Go kill that admiral. Confirmed, commander. Or whatever it is you do. Make it hurt. And uh, despite the emotions being turned off, there is still a smile with the confirmation. And then a quick look over at the weapons that your pet has with the smile continued and then a blip and they are gone. Hmm. I'll take a curious sip to that. Then a larger one drain the glass, go back up to the bridge. Okay. I'm at the hangar awaiting my mission decals. <laughs> so when you reach the bridge, you will see that uh, you're about four hours away from the mission target. The Trigus system is not that far from now. You guys are on close approach. I'm sorry, it's Trailus Core, the Trailus Core system. Um, stepping onto the bridge, you see the captain uh, center chair, uh, just giving an, uh, getting a status update from this uh, very hardline-looking Andorian that's missing one of his antenna at the helm of the Audacity. Um, the Andorian has turned and looked at the direction of the captain and says, yes, sir, we'll be arriving in the precise coordinates of what I said just moments ago. You see Sivik says, is that a hint of backtalk I hear from you, Ensign? And the Andorian says, it wasn't a hint, sir. Sivik slowly rises from his chair and says, come speak to me for a moment. And the Andorian slowly rises up from the helm and the crew of the, the bridge crew starts to watch what's happening. And this Andorian strides up to him and with Alarming speed, Sivek seizes the Andorian by the neck and with one arm presses him above his head, just lifts him off the ground as this Vulcan's, you see the, the veins in Sivek's, the side of Sivek's head begin to bulge as he lifts this Andorian up off the plate of the ship and just hold him up over his head the way Khan did Chekhov, just lifts him straight up and looks at him and says, if backtalk is something that comes naturally to you, I can remove your ability to speak. I only need your hands for the helm. 
Do we understand each other? Ensign. And he goes, yes, Captain. And drops him into a heap onto the deck. <laughs> and he just coughs. Cybek <laughs> slides back into the captain's chair and says, Commander, you could be doing a better job of keeping the crew disciplined, I dare say. And he turns and stares at you as the Andorian crawls back to the helm's chair. I'll make a note, sir. What brings you to your duty station during duty hours? Loyalty to my captain. Of course, and dedication to the mission. Good. Take your place at my side, then. We'll be arriving in four hours. I need this crew prepared. Yes, sir. You move over and take your seat to the left of the captain. Is the cat at the station as well? Look, uh, I would say, Lacat, you're probably on the... Who, whoever wants to be on the bridge can be on the bridge. Uh, yeah, can I sit where um, Olin usually sits? There's um, actually not a third chair on this on the audacity there is not a third chair for another officer so there's just a standing uh and even the tactical display chair of itself like there's a lot of open space up here mm -hmm. but it's not a comfortable uh it, there's not enough seating spaces for like a, a third officer and then in that case i'm gonna say that i think that even in this universe like cat feels a sense of comfort and camaraderie around Olin, so they're probably by the uh, security station. That's where they position themselves. Okay. Security station is a large standing console that's actually farther back from the tactical console, which is just behind the captain's chair. Uh, the security station is uh, silhouetted by this huge tactical readout of the Audacity that's just behind that station. Um, currently standing at that station is one McCrell who is just as lively as ever as she can be standing in place with a hunger to do things. I want to shoot all the pew pews. Great. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So. Is she wearing the knife, incidentally? Oh, absolutely. It's out there. It's on display. This is this is a badge of pride. Like this is a badge. This is a signal. Good. Mm. That's all I need. I smile at both of them, and I she... settle in to a loyal duty to Captain Syphek. Okay. If there's she... nothing else, then the four hours are going to pass, and we will arrive at the destination. Um, the after about four hours and warp flight. The ISS Audacity comes out of warp at Trailus Core. Trailus Core is a binary star system of two blue suns. There are six celestial objects in system. A lot of them are just dead rocks. There's nothing particularly notable about the system. Lots of asteroids floating through here. There's six comets that are actually making their way across the system. This is an illuminated system. If you were looking through a telescope, you could see this this particular solar system uh, from an extraordinary distance. 
uh, aside from the two suns whose lumens completely overpower uh, the like Earth's sun, these six comets also just cause quite the light show for astronomers who would be looking through their long-range sensors at this place. And it also causes some minor visual and sensor interference. And the moment the audacity comes out of warp, the science officer reports this immediately. He says, Captain, I'm, I'm getting some sensor interference. Running a scan now. And a few moments pass. It says, I'm detecting high levels of radiation all across the system. Nothing dangerous, but it's scrambling a lot of our scans. And Cybex says, of course, of course, this is why she picked this place. No doubt she's lying in wait for us right now, though I bet she's surprised to see the audacity. I wonder if that changes her math a little bit. Well, let's pretend like we don't know that she's here. And with that, he says, proceed. Half impulse power. As he says that, Prawl, who's standing at the tactical station, says, Shall I raise shields, sir? No, not yet. Let's proceed like we are oblivious. Take us in. One half impulse. Can I take them, sir? She'll smell it. Raise the shields against the. Oh. Uh. Commander says, play too dumb, sir. She'll smell it. Raise the shield against the radiation. Looks innocent enough. Maybe. Why don't we find a spike of radiation somewhere where it's blooming? Move us in that direction like we're investigating. As we get closer, we'll raise shields as if to react. Brilliant, sir. Reduce speed to one quarter. The helm, you see the Andorian look back and say, Aye, Captain, and reduces speed. You guys are crawling along as you enter the system. Um, 10, 15 minutes pass. At this speed, Sol, it's going to take you 30 minutes to get to the radiation source. It's very quiet on the bridge as he's just sitting there in the chair, looking out over the view screen. You can just hear the ambient chirping sounds of passive sensors running, sweeping scans. You can also hear sort of the frantic tapping of the science officer at the console trying to compensate for the fact that sensors are not behaving properly. But it's dead quiet out there. You, from from the security console, you hear a rhythmic, rhythmic uh, tapping of claws Prawl just glances over to you, McCrell, and just kind of under his breath says, Me too. Um, Captain kind of just sits there for a moment. Commander, I'm going to need you to make a command inside check. Mm. All right. Because at this point, you, you would make a command inside check. Right. Uh, presumably to understand more than that he's running us right into her hands. Sitting back. Right, and coming in as slow as possible, what I'm trying to figure out in this moment 
is what advantage there is to go slow, slowly, if any, uh, how much it really even benefits them to commit us to an insist deep in system fight. And why have we given them a yet? If we're already going so slow. Okay. So go ahead and make yeah. a roll. So yeah, the, make my check. The difficulty is three. I'm gonna roll that. Actually, I'm sorry, it's one. This is a roll off. Okay. I'm gonna spend two points of threat to give myself two more d20s. Alright. We have no momentum, so I'm just going to roll. Oh my. While you roll, ah! I just... <laughs> That's a one and a four. Uh, I rolled four dice, and I rolled a four, a 17, a 19, and a 20. Oh my. Um, Why so can't I can... roll this when I'm playing D&D? I don't know. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing, Saul. You have context that nobody else on the bridge has, and you're analyzing what the game is here. So let me present you the facts. You're creeping towards a supposed enemy zone where someone might be supposedly lying in ambush. You're proceeding at one quarter impulse power and you're doing sweeping sensor scans. So you're, you're going to be shining like a light bulb to anybody who's looking for a ship in the edge of the system. Your shields are down. So. What would the tactic... Everything about this reads to you like he is opening the front door to your house and just walking away, knowing full well there's somebody out on the street that wants to come and rob you. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, how much momentum did I get from that? Because I don't know if uh, yeah, he had a focus on that four. Uh, I got four total successes. Uh, so yeah, you'll get you'll get three momentum. Okay, cool. I would love to spend one then. Okay. Uh, because he doesn't do this suicidally, or he doesn't knowingly do it suicidally. If they were intending to come in shooting, then they blow us up. He knows that. There's some other plan for the handoff. What can I see that might hint toward what that is? Okay. Spend your point of momentum. Yep. And bring this back down to two. Your brain starts crunching the numbers here tactically. What is going on? And it starts to occur to you. The ISS Ross is a very large ship. And even if she was only able to convert half the crew, she still outnumbers you guys 10 to 1 on crew number alone. The Akira class is a big vessel. But. By the way, it is also worth noting that the Ross in Mirror Universe is not a Ross-class vessel. It is a galaxy-class starship uh, made with the technology from the other universe, the Prime Universe. Um, with your shields down, she does not need to open fire on you. She needs to do exactly what you are all planning to do to her. All she needs to do is beam hundreds of people aboard your vessel. <laughs> right now, y'all are just completely exposed. She could be around the next asteroid or following in the trail of the next comet. You could be seconds away from a full-blown invasion of this ship. 
He's acting like he is just creeping along, but what he is doing is he's given her the keys to the car, and he's saying, come get your new Akira-class starship, Admiral. All right, and I do still have Studious, so I get one more question off of that. Okay, go ahead and ask your next question. Looking around this room, if I made my move now, how many of them would stop me? You can't calculate a precise number. I can give you an approximation of who would move against you. All right. But it's probably less than half. Cyvek is not popular. Mm -mm. That is not a people. How many people would move for you, though, is also a question. Consider, like, I would say about four people would try to stop you and eight people would stand against them. Your numbers are doubled. Also, a non-person would probably also just... A, a, an immediate po pro a protocol would probably be initiated by the computer to protect the captain in the form of an assassin. Nothing personal. Well. I don't have emotions on it. <laughs> Gina's like, I will kill you, but, you know, hey. <laughs> Certainly, but my understanding is that that protocol would apply to the commanding officer that you answer to. That's a stretch. Mm. I'll give you this. Um, On the mission, Olin, as the uh, right. chief of security, has uh, a top authority, but on the bridge, I would still probably say protocol uh, captain. I'm not sure. I, I think so. That I'm gonna say as a storyteller, I that can probably be reasoned with. I'm going to say, as a, as the storyteller, I'm going to say that unless a unless a direct order was given from the security officer, a Exio would appear and try to kill you for trying to stop the captain. Compromising the captain is compromising the ship, which is compromising the security officer. It's a chain of command thing. She would be currently under protocol to kill you. Uh, it's easy enough to have. Uh, here, here's the other thing, though. She won't be activated unless she is called for. In other words, the captain has to command her presence on the bridge for that to come into play. Or one of the other crew members could try to activate it as an emergency. Move fast enough and maybe that's not a problem. Right. Move fast enough and the chain of command shifts. All right. Uh then I'm going to spend two minutes marinating the room. Uh, I am go. I am going to use my uh, pheromones, and everybody's going to be very itchy for a fight, and very jazzed, and very wired. And once those, hmm? yeah, okay. You're going to get everyone geared up for aggression, basically. And once those two minutes have expired, I'm going to think to myself. 
Captain first. Now. I hear that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the minute uh, I feel the intensity of the room change, I know exactly it's my mistress mm -hmm. sending me a message. And I give her a slight headache, but I understand. And the minute she says now, uh, how far is the captain's chair from the security console? Uh, I'd say it's a good 15 feet. Um, I'm going to casually, as if I'm doing something on a console, move slightly closer, as close as I can without looking suspicious. Okay. Maybe Gil give Gull Cat a eye. Uh, like a little corner of my eye and be like, four sons. <laughs> you want a lot of offspring. And then um, uh, the minute I'm getting close enough, I'm just going to leap uh, to get directly behind the captain and slice his throat. Okay. <laughs> Vaulting over the top of the chair to land down in front of this captain. Uh, you stare eye to eye because this is sort of a surprise round, you are going to get to make the attack. Yes. So, but keep in mind, in Star Trek Adventures, attacking does not happen one at a time. When you make a melee attack, you make a melee attack against somebody who has the chance to make a melee attack back. Um, so, as you bound down in front of him, Cyvek leaps to his feet, which actually gives you a more clear shot of his throat. Go ahead and make your, your daring... <laughs> yes, this is going to be daring security. And yes, it is. The difficulty is one versus his daring security. Okay. And um, oh, you know what? I would like to burn a value. Okay. My value is whatever mistress says. <laughs> okay. Um, right. And I'm going to take a momentum for right, an extra die. One. Yep. I'm going to spend a threat. I'm assuming I can use my focus in fighting and whatnot. Yes. Um, so with that, that is six successes. Okay, well that beats his three. Yes. So you're gonna land the hit. We are maxed out on momentum. Six. Yes, indeed. Okay, so. Do your claws have any damage effects or anything like that or qualities? Um, lethal, I believe, correct? Mm, that you could stun people with your claws. Unarmed yeah, strike, just... unarmed okay. strike is a non-lethal, but I have a feeling a mirror McCrell would not hold back. I, uh, I gonna... feel like they're sharpened, like almost like a knife. I'm gonna keep you have mean I'm... right hook, don't you? I do have mean right hook. Vicious. The answer is okay. vicious. So vicious. here's what I'm gonna rule. I'm gonna rule that your unarmed strike is not lethal, or is 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 lethal. It's not non-lethal. So you Got can it. do a lethal strike. Yes. I'm not I'm not gonna change the damage value of one. However, two. vicious is my unarmed strike is vicious. two. I'm sorry. My unarmed strike is two because I have claws. It's not one. Even even regular McCrell is a two. Oh, it should be one then. Oh. It should definitely be one. Keep in mind, a sword or a mechleth is two. 
So well, Krell wouldn't be doing the damage of a Mechleth with her claws, but you can do one point, which is like knife okay. dagger. Okay. So, um, I'm so you can do that. you can do one. Okay. And it will have the vicious quality because you've got mean right hook. Yes. Which means every effect you roll counts as an additional point of damage. So go Excellent. ahead. You made your you made your hit. You beat him by three, I believe. So that's going to add three damage dice to the roll. So you're going to add three challenge dice plus the one for the damage rating of the weapon. So a total of four. Got it. All right. You have the ability to one-shot this guy if you roll well enough. And we have the momentum to re-roll the damage dice for anything that doesn't roll well enough. Well, uh, six successes, one being an effect. So that's seven successes. Seven successes. Okay. And you only counted ones. Uh, I rolled. Was... So I, I, I have the die, and uh, okay, good. Two of them were the double pew pews. Yeah, so that's okay. four. So yeah. seven. Okay. Yeah. So just to keep in mind, you, you. <laughs> You did enough damage to, if you had been wielding a sword, you would have decapitated somebody just now. Whoops. But as you vault over the top, there is a brief moment of gasp from some of the crew that see this very graceful acrobatic display. Not sure what the point of this is, but as Cyvek leaps to his feet, Captain, your face, and I do mean Captain, your face is suddenly splattered with the warmth of a spray of blood from the jugular of a Vulcan who's grabbing at his neck right now. It's a pretty It decorates blue. the side of your face. It decorates the side of your chair. And Cyvek's eyes are wide as he's going up to defend himself from a strike that's already happened. He's living in the past. He doesn't know he's dead yet. He lives, he breezes his hands and he watches as his hand, the weakness begins to fall into his limbs. The numbness spreads throughout his body. He looks at you, McCrell, and you, Olin, can feel the fury of an unchained Vulcan who has the body strength to break this creature in front of him in half if he wasn't dead already. He scrambles and feebly grabs at McCrell's neck. And at that point, some of the crew members gasp and move. And when that happens, the rest of the crew starts to tackle one. One of the crew members actually pulls a phaser at you, Sul and levels it. And by the time you've noticed it, because you're enjoying the blood on your face, by the time you notice it, you can see the shot is coming before this person is vaporized in front of you by the Andorian sitting at the helm, who pulls the phaser and turns this person inside out. The science officer is disintegrated right in front of you. Just disappears as this phaser clatters to the floor. The coup, the, the mutiny is done in just a matter of moments. As crew members are sub, are subdued and the body of this Vulcan, you see Cyvik is trying to drag himself towards the turbo lift door. He makes it about three or four feet. To his credit, makes it the three to four feet. And the blood is just everywhere. This greenish dark liquid of Vulcan blood pooling and staining it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. There's you so said much. Olin was on the bridge? Yep. 
Olin's gonna walk up to him as he's dragging himself towards the uh, the door. He's, he's in his and, final moments. And they crouch down next to him, and their uh-huh. head just kind of cocks to one side and says, and they say, "Now isn't that absolutely beautiful?" And then they'll stand back up, and they're just gonna stomp on his head. Which is enough to finish him. The last thing he sees before he leaves this life is the boot of Olin Majanil coming down onto his eye, into his eyeline, and then darkness takes him. And at that moment, sensors begin to chirp an alert of an approaching vessel. Lacat would like to move to put shields up. Okay, you dash over to the tactical station. I think um, I'm already there next to McCrell, so it's it's real quick movements. So, oh, okay, I see the confusion. Yeah. So, McCrell was at the security station. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Yuri Prawl is actually manning the tactical station, and Yuri has remained Prowl. motionless this whole time. Um, you are you are correct. So, I would like to dash over, and I would like to put up shields. Okay, so you're gonna have to shove Prawl aside. Yeah, that's fine. Because, <laughs> okay, so just so you know, in the chaos of this fighting. It's very likely that if you try to remove the tactical officer from his position, he is going to try to attack you. <laughs> and uh, you will be in a fist okay. fight with Brawl. <laughs> uh, so, so Jane would, I mean, Cora might usually try and talk to him, but I am feeling rage from those pheromones, aren't I? You're feeling that adrenaline rush for sure. It feels good. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Mirror Universe episode, y'all. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. letting, letting the rage uh, that has been incited in you from <laughs> um, the pheromones that have been flooded into this place, you dash over to Prawl and sho- try to shove him aside to engage the shields. Yeah. Uh, Prawl will respond. <laughs> so, I need you to make a daring melee check. The difficulty is one. Okay. Can... Uh, Prawl, I'm going to spend oh, a point of threat. Can, 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 I, can I step in? <laughs> Uh, not at the moment, no. Okay, cool. Not at the moment. You can step in after this action resolves. Sure. Wait, a daring melee check. I've actually never made this before. Yeah. Daring security. Uh, daring daring security. Yeah. Sorry, oh, daring yeah. security. Melee, melee, you use daring security and the difficulty is one. Okay, copy yeah. that. Um, perfect. Difficulty is one. Oh, please. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, it's a contested roll. That's the thing. That's why. Um, take momentum. We have plenty. Oh yeah, can I? This will yeah. that'll be even better. Um, that makes me three successes, my friend. Yeah, Prawl got four. So Prawl. So Prawl's going to deck you hard. Beautiful. Um, okay, right, so, so he decks me and in Cardass. Uh, I'm rolling damage. We have, the decking hasn't happened yet. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Um, however, you are wearing Cardassian armor, and technically that gives you a resistance of, a resistance rating of one. So roll a single. So roll one of the single dice, single d6, and tell me if you get a one, two, a, uh, a five, or a six. Okay. Oh, Prawl rolls two effects and two points, so he has mean right hook as well. So Prawl is going to do six points of damage with his fist. Okay, I rolled a six on my dice. Okay, so you're going to absorb, uh, you're going to absorb one point of damage of that. You're still going to need to spend momentum, however, because he did five points of damage to yeah, you. Yeah, nice points. Yeah, which is injury. 
That's fine. <laughs> okay. So as you shove him aside, Prawl immediately responds like he thinks you are part of the captains. Like if you're trying to stop this from happening, mm -hmm. he has this knee-jerk reaction. You shove him over. I will say this though, you get the shields up. Great. You just lean over, and but in a second later, the the heavy slapping sound of a trill's fist impacting on the side of your head sends the world into a dizzy spin for a second. Prawl clocked you in a way that would make a UFC fighter envious. Like, he just lands the hit hard. It's right. enough to send you staggering back for a few seconds. Um, and with that, he starts reaching for a phaser. All right, how about we... I, I turn him and I go, I, I, I growl, like, shields are up, and that's it. I just, like, lock him eyes, and that's, I want to convey, that's, like, all I wanted to do. Okay, he doesn't, well, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set a difficulty for him because, uh, because there's so many pheromones in the air right now, he <laughs> may not respond to reason, so I'm going to roll. Fine. Meanwhile, Olin, the only person who's got any, any okay. ability to withstand them, it's just sort of like, Tell you what, Olin, roll a d20. I'll let you do an assist on this as he's trying to yes. maintain a semblance of control. I think like, this is oh, where Olin uh, does reach out and like maybe places a hand. But Jane, don't forget to subtract that stress from your character sheet. You take yes. five damage. Beautiful. Is this is a presence command roll? Uh, presence command roll, yes. Uh, cool. You already rolled? Yep. Tell me what you get. Louise, really? No. Unless you rolled, a, if you didn't roll a complication, you're fine because Paul rolled really well. But okay. I didn't roll a success. Okay, so you're just kind of trying to talk. Paul does not pull the. It's enough to realize that everyone is acting overtly aggressively just now. The chaos of 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 Gola Cat wanting to raise the shields following just this impulse to get the shields up and then Prawl responding by trying to kill her. Like, it's clear everyone is on edge from the pure chaos that has just erupted on board the ship. He does not pull his phaser, though. You say, right. the shield dropped, that's all I wanted. And Prawl looks at you like you're just like a stranger for a moment and says, you're not authorized to use my station. Don't do that again. Move faster next time. Both of you, silence. Focus on the enemy right over there. You. Get a target lock. You, Lacat, sit here. Point to my right. Um, there's also the science station is unmanned at the moment. <laughs> it's worth noting. So you can send an ox crew member to the science station if you want. Uh, I assume we have some level of briefing about sure. Lacat's skills. Lacat, any reason to believe uh, I should? I Not should either. Not, not, not in the mirror universe. I'm not. That was like what I figured. So yeah, I point to the seat to the right of me. Okay, Oxford takes seats then. Um, at that point, coming up on the view screen at long range sensors, you see emerging from behind one of the uh, one of these asteroids is the ISS Ross. The first thing that you notice about her, Captain, is she looks battle scarred. This is a galaxy-class starship that's covered in a blade of armor, and she has been in a lot of fights recently. You can see exterior damage across the hull. She's moving at one-quarter impulse, and it looks like... It does not look like she is aggressively charging in. Does she have shield up? Yes. She is at red alert. Weapons are armed and ready. 
She's at long range? She's at extreme range right now. Okay. She's halfway into the system. Good. Then we'll have the sun at our back. Both of them. Close okay. to long range and prepare to fire torpedoes. Shall right. I go down, sir? We're gonna bust yeah. a hole open for him? You know what? I like the sound of sir. We're going to Cal bust a hole open for them and uh, let you and that doctor and the program thing right in. We'll head down to the transporter room. Okay. Oh, and Olin. Yes. Nice stomp. He had it coming. Right before you leave the bridge, Olin, Prawl just gives you a nod. It's like a slow acknowledgement. There's still green liquid on the boot on on the bottom of your boot right now as you trail it into the uh, turbo lift. But Prawl just gives you a slow nod of approval as you walk in to the turbo lift. And before, as the turbo lift doors are closing, that's when Olin sends the message. Okay. I'm coming back. Like, telepathically. Okay. So while the Ross is changing the zones of distance and moving into long range, down in the corridors of the the Ross, as y'all are entering into the shuttle base where some of the transporter pads are located for quick transports, as well as some of the shuttles themselves, you can see already activated is a holographic assassin protocol program. The executioner officer is just calmly, like, I say calmly, but it is creepily standing there, expressionless, emotionless, unblinking. <laughs> You get an acknowledgement of a head tilt. I wonder if we can't reinstall some of your programs before we go over there. You're a dead giveaway. How would you like me to alter? Computer, please restore emotion protocols. Immediately, her demeanor semi like shifts to one hip. Okay. Um, anything else? I or think should this... I take it from here? I think I'll let you do that. And she kind of flourishes a little with her hand, mm -hmm. and she turns into Admiral Ape Labor. You turn uh, into a perfect replica of Admiral Ape Labor. Reiku, at that moment, comes walking around and is like, Oh, shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> what did you do to the computer? Boo. Ah. She did it herself. It's a good plan but we're definitely going to get attention. I think that's the point. We need to get on the bridge. Not many officers are going to want to fire on their own commander. All right, then. I, I guess we're ready. This is an interesting look for you. Um, it feels wrong, and I don't like it. The hair Dude. is nice, though. I hate it. I need to get it off, but it's fine. Soon enough. I've kind of gotten used to mine. It's fluffy. It suits you. I hope he thinks so, too. He? Again. Like I said, I'll let you know when we get back. Let's make it through this alive first. 
Uh, and then install a story time protocol. She kind of gives you a wink. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I like this. This is nice. Noted. This is temporary. We'll see. Uh, and then you can see uh, as Reku is packing along like a standard phaser or things that you would take an away mission, he also is bringing along a kit of some kind with hyposprays inside. Okay. Um, with that being said, up on the bridge, the ISS Audacity moves into long range from the ISS Ross. As these two powerhouse ships begin to close within torpedo range of each other, you also get an indication that they have been locking weapons on target. Um, Star Trek Adventures is very clear that players go first. Crawl. Aim. Fire. Shields. All right. So that's going to be all right. So we are firing torpedoes. Is that correct? Yes, we're firing quantum torpedoes to the face. The aim is an implicit uh, minor action. I suppose technically, what I'm doing right now is a direct task uh, to prawl. Okay. So the first action that that will open up prawl's ability to fire again at increased mm -hmm. difficulty, I believe. But you can uh, action. Only if he did it as a swift task, and he only gets to attack two times per round for any reason. So, okay. so uh, the plan to is to quick to action him, uh, right. since I know he has that talent, so that he can fire off two shots, one from my direct task, one from his own firing. Okay. Uh, no. So, yeah. Aiming, firing, quantum torpedoes. Okay. Let's do it. Do you I mean, need to roll I anything? I don't know if I get an uh, weapons security, I believe it is. Okay. Uh, Starship combat. Here we go. It's been a while, y'all. Um, all while. right. So you are opening fire. So that's weapon security. That's correct. So I'm going to roll for Prawl. Um, do you want Prawl to spend any momentum? Yes. Yes. Because the difficulty of this is going to go up by one since you are targeting a specific system. Uh, it is not. We have fast targeting systems. Oh, that's right. You have fast targeting. That's right. You sure do. We do. We're very fancy. And uh, it is one of the only two reasons why I allowed this tragic weapon system to go forward. Tragic weapons. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you hate torpedoes. How can you forget? I never let anyone forget, ever. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and roll. I'm sorry. Did you say you wanted to let Prawl spend a momentum to gain that extra... That extra Oh, yes. For juice? Okay. Uh, that cool. puts us at I'm three. I'm going to buy a D20 for Prawl then, and he is going to open fire. Mm -hmm. uh, let's do this. This is going to be a weapon security. Difficulty is going to be two, but it's optimal because mm -hmm. y'all are in long range. So, okay. So, yeah, difficulty is two. Would have been three, but fast targeting. Here we go. Prawl land. I rolled a 19, a 19, and a 19. <laughs> so McCrell takes over. <laughs> Thankfully, I, uh, that is a first ever for me. All right. So thankfully, I have cautious security on Prawl. So I did spend a momentum here. So I'm going to make a reroll. <laughs> Crit, please. 
Uh, and Prawl rolls a, an 11, an 8, and a 6. All three of those are hits. So that's three successes. For honor's sake, can... uh, Cautious only allows one reroll. Oh, is that correct? Uh, one one reroll. Yeah. Then we'll just count it as the six, and he'll land, his, he'll land a... Uh... Oh, so then it wouldn't even one. matter. So no, he would have to burn a value here, okay. uh, which can be from my direction. If you want him to. Yes, I do. I would okay. like him to hit the vessel with the big torpedo. Okay. Uh, he is going to call upon the value of crew first, my life second. Now he gets to re-roll all of them. Okay. Or selectively. So instead of taking, instead of fully re-rolling all of them, I'll just take the roll that I just made and say he re-rolled all of them if you're going to force him to burn the value. So that he'll get the three successes for the hit. So now I need to know Audacity. First of all, you're using quantum torpedoes. Is that correct? They are. They have vicious one and high vicious yield. Vicious one and they're high yield, which is fucked. Mm -hmm. um, they also, you're also using rapid fire, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we are not. Um, we have it available, but I didn't give you the threat for it, or we would have been able to reroll an additional d20 on the attack. We're going to be using momentum to reroll challenge dice that don't give us nice numbers instead of using the rapid fire ability. Okay, so then the damage rating for this nine. is going to be nine points of damage. Yeah, so nine challenge dice coming the Ross's way. Two, four, six, eight. That's. All right, so, oof. And they're, they're vicious? Yes, yep. and uh, if you have any meaningful number of threes and fours, we're gonna spend another momentum to let you reroll those. I have three threes and fours. All right, reroll those. It's worth, okay. I think. Uh, I we're down to three. An additional effect. So, a total of 14 damage. I'll wake them up. 14 damage as you launch a quantum torpedo from long distance. Now I am rolling the resistance of the Ross. What if we spend for piercing, though? Uh, you can spend for piercing if you like. All right, we do that. How much momentum does that bring you down to? Two. Two, okay. So this is to ignore the resistance. Mm -hmm. So that does a total of uh... Okay I love my Captain Mistress <laughs> Clink Alright um, You collapse their shields the sheer firepower of that single quantum torpedo warhead impacting on the front of the shields of the Ross immediately causes the Ross's shields to collapse and buckle underneath the impact. Watching this on the like sensor display, as soon as the shields are down, we're transporting over. This was our... Except it's their action now. Oh, whoops. Except... But that's what I'm saying. Mm-mm. Um, since this is the first round of any combat, me and my allies, because I am quick to action, we don't have to spend any money or any, um, stuff to retain the initiative, and I would like to go do a murder. I... 
you could, yes, you could transport on board their ship as a minor action. Mm-hmm. And then you could take an attack action against anybody who's on the bridge, if that's what you're planning on going. I think that, so, yeah. Is that accurate? Yep. Yeah, okay. You hop up onto the transporter pad the moment you receive the heads up that the shields have collapsed, and you activate and begin to beam on board. Who all is going with you? Is it just you? No. It's no, it's the three of us. Three of us. Okay. Exio, as you appear on board the Ross, the moment you materialize on board the bridge of this starship, everything about what you were expecting to find over there is wrong. As you appear on board the bridge, you are instead greeted by darkness and flickering lights from auxiliary power keeping everything on. And there are bodies all over the floor. And uh, as quick, uh, qu- qu- quick uh, tactics update, what, what am I looking at? You s- immediately start looking around, kind of shocked at what you're seeing, as much as you can be as a computer program. <laughs> um, what you see- my, are emotion, only- my emotion program is turned back on. I give a very faint, <gasps> and then give it. <laughs> Glancing around, you see a bunch of dead Terrans all over the floor. Um, you see, uh, it looks like the one at the helm uh, is slumped over the side. You can see plasma burns in the side of their body. You can see a couple of Terrans slumped over the tacticals display. What's uh, really alarming is that they all look like they've been dead for a while. You just see uh, this hologram going and dragging people's faces up by their by their hair looking for April. Well, there is somebody sitting in the center chair. Great. Lift face. Uh, they are very much alive. Oh. The person in the center chair. And it is not is it... Admiral April Bear. Who is it? Face scan. Your face scan gives you a couple of points of information. The person that you're looking at was once a captain in Starfleet by the name of Martinez. But what you're looking at is an ashen gray figure with implants all over his face and technology running, racing in and out of his flesh, arcing down into the circulatory system itself. And as you're scanning him, he seems to be scanning you. He does not look fully human. You've never seen anything like this. And he's sitting very calmly in the captain's chair and as you kind of pause and look at him, he rises slowly and you see your holographic form begin to kind of waver suddenly, losing some consistency as this red scan kind of traces you up and down from an eye implant to his left side. He just kind of looks at you and scans and says, you are not organic. Neither are you. We are Borg. Reku fires a phaser through Exio at this thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Go Stay. ahead and move your attack. Cool. Yep. Um, I think that actually the moment the word Borg comes out of Martinez's yep. mouth uh, calms to the captain. We have a problem. <laughs> a very big problem. A Borg problem. So go ahead and make your attack. This is going to be, yeah, this is going to be ranged attack here. 
Yep. And uh, that is two successes. Two successes. Okay, roll your damage. You're not. You're. Great. He is not going to attempt to dodge or block or move or anything. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Plus. Oh, was that over? It was a contested roll, but was there? No, any... he's not contesting it. Oh. Oh. Okay. Was what was the difficulty? Was it one? The difficulty is one. Okay. Uh, so we'll... technically, it's two because you're using ranged attack. Copy. So I so would we'll... say go with two. Yeah. All right. That is two successes with three effects. Okay. Um, three effects. It's a phaser. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Okay. So yes. to, to make a long story short, as the the phaser beam splits right through the back of Exio's back and through her chest into the body of this creature that's standing in front of you, um, you just see what looks like this sort of sudden opalescent shield appear in front of him and the phaser just impacts on the front of it and he seems completely unaffected shit where did the shield activate from um you're not sure it just appeared in front of his body it doesn't seem to have had any local source at least not from the ship it may be coming from him as a fellow computer thing uh could i get at least a possible like uh you know code signature if it did come from his body there's no way to visually tell precisely where it came from except Mm -hmm. that it appeared in front of him protecting him presumably it's coming from the technology on his body it was able to create some kind of disruption that stopped the phaser strike from hitting him uh, from the back, Reku mm. and Olin had been firing, and Reku just looks over at Olin and says, Can you feel anything off of these things? Good question. And then you hear Admiral April Abear's voice saying, Welcome aboard the Ross, my dear friends, and the future of the Terran Empire. <laughs> um that point you would notice that this board that's standing in the captain's chair looks like it's plugged into the captain's chair itself you see these two tubes that have attached itself to the data readouts and as he's staring at you back on the ross oh can i take a turn yeah yeah go ahead and take your action okay uh just while we have it what's that oh i was just saying while we have it yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and take it. Technically, Xander used an action here, but I'm just oh. going to let it fly since it didn't come to anything. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and take your action. Oh, do I not get an action? Well, because the it was a move which was beaming over because you all kept initiative, and then you mm-hmm. get to take an action. But Xander decided to attack, so that would have been your action for the round. But oh. since this, but I'm but because it amounted to nothing, I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and proceed as normal, Exio. Okay. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Uh, since the target spoke, this mm-hmm. is now just an obstacle. Okay. Um, and we've already established that there is a physical shield. Um, and since there are wires, I understand you just unplug computers. So, um, she's standing there and, um, both of her arms just, t- the so fast they turn into sharp uh, hard light spikes at both ends and she drops to her knees and starts destroying the chair of where he's plugged in 
So okay. it's not to attack the body, but the thing keeping him awake. He is going to attempt to stop you. Okay. So I would call this just a straight up like melee attack against him. If you can Great. beat him at this, you'll hit the chair. So go ahead and make your daring security check. Okay. And let me pull out, it's been a while since I've had to use Borg stats. I also have mean right hook. <laughs> we play with mean right hook around here. Yeah. They got the pencils. Yeah. They got the pencils. Oh, they went and got the pencils. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one sec, here we go. Mean right okay. hook. We have, um... there we go. Die. I would like to buy, or, or, or I would like to have one. Okay. I have so much threat I have not used. It's time mm -hmm. to start using it. All right, Exio, um, go ahead and make your yes. attack. This is daring. This is daring. Okay, so eight. Uh, so, okay, cool. All right. I'm going to spend a point, a threat, give myself an extra die. Okay. Um, can I use, hmm, can I use, well, it's a cheeky way of putting it, but sharpshooter, but I'm not shooting anything, but I am sharp. I also have hand-to-hand, -hand. again, not currently hands, but. No, that would count. Anyway. That would totally count. Okay, great. Okay, so yeah. I have one regular crit, um, a five, and an eight, so five total. You beat him by one. Yes. You're gonna get through. All right, so go ahead and roll damage. Um, or if we want, why don't you, I would say this would actually cost you two points of momentum if you want to successfully do this in one action. It would literally be removing a trait from the scene since he is mm. fully plugged into uh, the command chair at the moment. We have exactly two. Y'all down? This is the mirror universe. If you want momentum, take them. You're right. I'm an I'm an assassin, and right. this is annoying me. Um, you move quickly and slash. You see sparks fly as your arm slices easily through the attachments into the chair, and you break his connection to the command chair in one swift stroke. That is, is Exio's action. Is he still awake? Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, but he's no longer plugged into the command chair. Yeah, and and with just a slight smile, she just goes untethered from mommy. Um, on that note, now back to them. Yes, on their action. First of all, what you notice back aboard the Audacity is the Ross seems to be inert for a moment, like. This round, instead of going, it's going to be the drone on the bridge of the Ross going instead. So for this round of action, not going to do anything. Um, and instead, I'm going to spend two points of threat. And when the Borg scans you, it detected your mobile emitter. And I'm going to make a melee attack against Exio. So defend yourself, Exio. This is going to be daring plus security. And I'm going to spend okay. two momentum to add more dice. You mean threat? Sorry, threat, yes. Lots and lots of threat. 
Okay, so Daring Security. And we don't have any um, momentum left, but I can give you threat and use my bold security, correct? So I will uh, buy a die correct. still. Yeah. Um... Okay, tell me what you get. Hmm. Okay, I got three successes. Uh, he's going to beat you. Hmm. All right, but here's the thing. I'm not going to be... Uh, I, I'm not spending any threat here to damage the mobile emitter. Instead, he's just going to do straight-up stress damage to you. Okay. To reflect the damage to your bot, your physical form, so that you can respond. Uh, he's not. He's basically not going to Superman, like, stab you with kryptonite kind of thing. He's basically just going to try to hit you here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Exio, the, the the thing you're definitely getting from this uh, creature is that you, I mean, you're talking to essentially a technological zombie, and you can see that sort of emptiness in the back of the eyes of this once member of the Terran Empire. Rolled in. I I don't even need to spend momentum for this damage roll. Um. Woofta. Five, six, seven, eight, nine points of damage. I'm not afraid to die. There's um, no such thing for me. Good, because we have no momentum to avoid injury. The tactical drone lowers, and as you spit, you basically split him completely from the chair, even taking a few of the fingertips right off of his right hand. And he looks up at it and reaches down, and it looks like he's going for a weapon, but what it really was was a wind-up like a baseball bat. And he sends his, this arm that is essentially this big like cylinder of tech with these bizarre appendages at the very end of it slamming into the side of your body axio it impacts just to the side of the emitter and for the first time you see this uh this hologram go airborne as axio basically does the star trek flyby of a crew member that's been slammed however axio being a hologram you do not have to suffer from injury requirements until you hit zero stress because you are an artificial life form. So mm -hmm. you are not having to spend stress to avoid injury because you took more than five points of damage on this. The impact, however, XEO tells you that pound for pound, this Borg drone has strength that is easily comparable to your own and is dangerous, very dangerous. Um, I'm spending two threat to keep the initiative. I have a quick question. Yeah. How far away are we from the Ross? Currently, you're long range. Damn it. Okay. Um, keeping the initiative, the Borg advances on Reku. And at increased difficulty, he's going to take a swift action and attack. He's going to try. Uh, so go ahead and make your defense roll. I'm going to only spend one point of threat on this one to add some die. Okay. What are the. Die action. So Witness. it's daring plus melee, and the difficulty is one. Daring security. Okay. Daring, yeah, daring security. I always get that mixed up. That's all good. Zero okay. successes. successes. Zero. <laughs> Reiku, hmm. he approaches you, and instead of going for a swing, you see those tubes. <gasps> um, he immediately, the tubes that have been severed, they immediately lance out from his wrist and stab right into your neck. Um, 
you are immediately downed. Well, in one attack. Oh. Um, you are currently. This is you are currently unconscious. Okay. Uh, next round, you are you are essentially being. Your body is currently being. Uh, you're currently being flooded with nanites. <laughs> love it. You just love to you see feel it. this icy cold <laughs> sensation spreading through your neck. Why does this always happen to me? I don't know. I'm <laughs> doing this. <laughs> um, it becomes difficult to breathe. You feel your throat starting to constrict as your immune oh. system is reacting. Um, this icy cold sensation begins to spread throughout your body. So and- as this is happening, so mm-hmm. if there is like any small amount of will that is still left, sure, Reiku is going to open up this kit and what were like hypo sprays, there's also uh, a grenade in there, isn't there? So Reiku is going to flip open this detonator, uh, look this thing in the eye and say, Terrence didn't start the fire. I did. And hit the button. Okay. <laughs> I love that the solution to the problem is not only reminiscent of Jaws 3, but mm. is also very similar to what Hector tried to do to the Borg Queen. A grenade! <laughs> but I didn't seduce anyone yet. That's true. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't try to get all up in his face. Um, Nothing about this episode rhymes, says the mm. commander who mutinies and take the center chair <laughs> on the audacity. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is the damage on that grenade? Uh, it is five. Okay, roll dice. five damage dice. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Um, Roland oh, would like one, to two. take cover. That is five <laughs> successes and two effects. Okay. Borg has tactical resistance. Let's roll. I rolled. Okay. Um, all right, so here's what happens. Um, first of all, Reiku, you are absolutely killed. Yes. Outright. <laughs> there is, uh, as you detonate this grenade, uh, the upper part of your body vanishes in a hailstorm of fire. Mm. The Borg tactical drone that was once uh, Martinez goes hurtling back over the top of the tactical station on fire. Yes. and slams back into the back wall. If you were capable of being concussed, Exio, you would be. However, instead, you, thankfully, having been batted free of the explosion zone, were mostly protected by the science station that you were now laying on the other side of when that grenade goes off. The command chair, everything that was over there in that front part of the bridge ha- is exploded it is just on fire there is torn leather seats everywhere and uh pieces of who knows what raining down from the top ceiling of the bridge itself and emergency alarms begin to go off but no environmental systems activate um you don't know if the borg is still alive it is on fire and it is laying on the ground on the other side that's your round (laughs) Meanwhile, on board the Ross. You mean the Audacity? Uh, no, actually, this would be the Ross's turn. This would be the Ross's turn because that was Xander's action. Um, 
the Ross, you start detecting a, a spike of power in the secondary warp core of the USS Ross, or the ISS Ross, immediately. Um, and it's actually LaCat who sees it coming through the tactical readouts next to Prawl. Um, wait, am I, I'm actually next to the captain right now. The captain exo chair right now. Oh, uh, the exo chair actually has a readout. tactical readout. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. copy. Um, what am I seeing? It looks like there is a huge power spike being generated from both warp cores, and they're being fed into the primary phaser array. We're about to figure out what that secret weapon is. Do we need to beam them out of there? We need to beam them out of there as soon as possible, and ideally introduce a couple torpedoes to those cores. You're on the captain's chair. Was I unclear? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Um, Setting this motion, this plan into motion, I, I'm just curious real quick. Olin, you're on the bridge too, aren't you? So you've watched all of this happen in the time span uh, of a Ross few bridge. minutes. Oh, I'm over on the Ross. That's what I'm saying. You've watched yeah, all yeah, of yeah. this happen in the time I span of a few I took cover as as soon as that, that grenade came out, like Olin was like. <laughs> so Olin, two things. Not only are you staring wide-eyed at the just mutilated corpse of a burning Reiku at the center of the bridge, but you also see Exio just stand up, like <laughs> Frankenstein's monster just stands right up, like everything is fine. Um, you see her holographic form flicker a little bit. Clearly some damage has been done, mm -hmm. but fully operational, expressionless face. You also watch as the Borg drone twitch and begin to rise up. Not dead. He's not dead. Not dead, no. Um, well Working on it. Um, while uh, while she works on it, hmm. uh, Olin would like to try and get a handle on whatever. Do we notice the power surge happening? You don't. So you'd have to get to a tactical readout. But Olin, you I definitely want, hear this. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get to a readout of any kind as soon as I can. Tactical, whatever. Easy move action to get to a tactical station and look at what it's saying. Okay. Yep. The first thing that you read, first of all is all decks are reporting uh, life support systems have been deactivated. Well, um, shit. You also detect that there is a single human life sign in main engineering. Cool. <clears throat> where there is no life support. Um, <laughs> Great. You are detecting a huge energy of antimatter surging through the EPS conduits uh, going into the main phaser array. Okay. Um, what would you like to do? Yeah, Olin is going to look to um, uh, look to Exio and start to back towards the um, uh, turbo lift. I guess uh, does the turbo lift seem uh, like it's it's operational, functional? Uh, yes, it looks operational. Looks functional. Uh, and they say as they're exiting, or actually, wait, uh, um, I think she's in main engineering and she, there's no life support down there. If I go down there, I'm going to get very killed. Um, she's still uh, making her way towards uh, the Borg creature 
And um, with a very cold voice, uh, she replies back, if you stay here, you will probably get killed as well. Orders. The mission is April Hebert. Understood. Good luck. And she bolts out the room. Just sudden burst of speed from zero to 60 as just Exio just turns and is right through the doors of the turbo lift and gone. Am I, am I able to instead try to lock myself into the ready room? Uh, yes. Or like, yeah. You can make a dash for the ready room. This, this, is, this is the Jason Voorhees moment where the Borg is slowly sitting up and is supposed to be dead but is not. I yeah. will say, though that Reiku's grenade had an effect. It looks fucked up. This Borg that was once Martinez is missing most of its flesh right now. You can clearly see into the chest cavity, the musculature, most of its face has been blown away. It is still operating, however, as it sits up like a flaming zombie Borg. Yep. I'm going to try and, and get a uh, haul, haul ass into the ready room then and like okay. lock myself in there basically. You you, as you run into the ready room, um, the doors close, you locking the doors. The first thing you notice as you're in here, Olin, is a message. One of April Hebert's propaganda messages playing on repeat broadcasting across subspace. It is currently being fed through the computer, looping and looping and looping. And it looks like Admiral April Hebert there's pieces to a puzzle here as to why this is happening and how this is happening. Okay. I, I'll, I'll sit at the computer and start getting to work then. Okay. Back on board the Audacity. What are y'all doing? You're prepping to beam torpedoes on board that vessel? Uh, it's the people get beamed out. Yeah. The torpedoes get sent through the tubes the normal way. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, we're going to target the engines. Okay. I want to take those warp cores out. So you're going to fire quantum at the engines? Yes. Before we get them out. Actually, you, you will not be able to fire quantum torpedoes until the next full round of combat oh. starts because of the calibration effect. But you could use... Fair enough. Photon. I'll use the photon then. Photon has high yield. You can do just as much. Yeah, well, no, they're not vicious. No, you know what? You were right. I made this mistake before. No, I didn't make this mistake but someone very like me did. <laughs> and it's not, we're not evil, we're smarter. So I don't make the same mistake. I'm firing phasers. I'm firing the Goram phasers. I'm firing okay. the phasers. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so it'll be on up a difficulty for range increment. Okay. Uh, but, you know. Well, we'll open fire. All, Do you have suck. any momentum left? No, we don't. Okay, cool. Again, so don't suck. Prawl rolls an 11 and a 5. That's going to be two hits. And one of them is a crit. Okay, the crit so makes it. Three successes. That's going there to send it over the edge. How much damage for the Ross then? Nine? Ten. Ten. Ooh. And we have power. Yeah, that's true. All right, let me roll these dice here. Um, Give yourself an extra five. Five dice? Spend five power. You're gonna say oh, also five. we get uh, two bo uh, two dice back for versatile two. Okay. Um, so about, ooh. I roll six. So one, two, three, four. Five, five dice. Five, seven, eight, nine, 
13 damage. How many uh, phaser strike? Force? How m- none. Perfect. Good. We'll hold then. Yep. Um, okay. There's a phaser strike in the aft section of the Ross. Uh, the Ross is going to roll for resistance. What if we do piercing now? You could do piercing to remove resistance. If we you can, to. and we do. Yes. Okay. In which case... I heard something about these Borg and resistance, so. Okay. All right, so you're doing 13 damage to the engines, if that's correct. So that's five, that's one breach. 10, that's two breaches. Uh... <laughs> so the ship immediately loses two power. And increases the difficulty and complication range as it suffers. Uh, yeah. Despite the enormous amount of damage you just inflicted upon the hull of this vessel, it is a testament to the sheer power and durability of that ship that those two breaches impacting the engine systems causes some minor hull damage on the exterior, but does not do any significant damage to the interior. And the ship remains floating where it is. It does lose two power. Until it loses two power until a minor uh, restore task is taken. Wait, that's a scale. I'm sorry, that's yours. It is. Oh no. Never mind. It. Uh, that's correct. That's, okay. Yeah. So it loses two power until the restore and the difficulty and complication range by anything having to do anything with the engines increases by one, as those ship systems are now impacted. All right. And then our minor action was to yoink, uh, but I'm only finding one life sign on the bridge, I imagine. That's correct. There's uh, only one life sign aboard the bridge. At least one of them has been snuffed out <laughs> heroically. I Gina, <laughs> would you say that I can pick up on Exio's sign, or would you say for the purpose of narrative convenience that while you are in a turbo lift, uh, we can't find it. Low cell signal. <laughs> so difficult, those sorts of things. So it just happens that I can only pull one of them and the other has the narrative agency to go do murder. Okay. I'm guessing I don't get the opportunity to look at the computers first. You do. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see what's on the computers. Great. This is all happening in the time span of seconds, so you're getting this done, yeah. All right, so... You're allowing Exio to proceed on the mission for assassination, is that correct, Sol? Uh, Sol can't uh, pick them up. Okay. Sam is making sure with Gina that where she wants to be. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's going to end your round then. Uh, on their action, uh, the ship is going to actually open fire. Brace for impact, this is going to hurt. So... This version of the Ross has an ability called Overload Emitter Array and is going to fire on the Audacity. I am going to... And you guys have no momentum, is that correct? It wouldn't matter. We have one. You have one. All right, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you. All right, so let's roll some dice. I'm going to spin for piercing. And let's see. Oop. Okay, so three, four, 
And I'm going to spend two points of threat here. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Two things happen all at once. <clears throat> As you're sitting center chair, and the situation seems to be moving forward, there is a brilliant flash of light from the emitter ray at the top of the ISS Ross. First thing that happens is, is the emitter ray is completely destroyed as the power is channeled through the phaser banks, losing, basically removing the Ross's ability to use phasers for the rest of this combat. You just see this sparking sensation as just in the screen. It almost blinds you just from like the sheer light is enough to flood your ocular senses and causes an overload that everyone who's looking at the view screen has to like blink for a second. And then a pure channel of energy lances out from the top of the phaser array, causing some of the hull around the array itself to peel away and bristle and burn as the ablative plating begins to melt from the power being channeled through these two antimatter warp cores shooting this phaser off. The impact on the audacity is nothing short of apocalyptically devastating. I roll a total of 20 damage on the ship, not targeting a specific system. All right, so we don't breach is the good news. <clears throat> One short of breach, breach. Uh, because we have 16 shields. That means there's four uh, overload. Uh, and I spent for piercing, by the way. Yeah, that's um, I'm taking that into account uh, okay. as to why our seven resistance hasn't gone through. All of those 16 go through our shields. Okay, so you get bled through the shields completely. You see the impact. First of all, the shields of the Audacity were designed to withstand mass combat and attacks from multiple vessels all at once. But there's an explosion of sparks on the bridge as the shields melt away in one shot, exposing the Ross, or exposing the, uh, the Audacity. As the shields completely collapse around you, the, the impact of this single phaser strike actually sends the Audacity off course buckling the impulse engines and sending it sliding through space from the impact. You see the Andorian at the helm immediately pull himself back up with a bloody nose as a few of the other officers behind you have gone over their consoles as sparks have exploded. Um, the lights overhead flicker, Captain, as you hear somebody shouting, Shields are down! I always land on my feet. <laughs> um... That is going to take us back briefly over to the Ross. The buckling sensation that you feel, Olin, the firepower of this ship attacking is enough to actually cause a roar in your ears. And the ringing that happens afterwards as you hear the alarm klaxon blaring on board the bridge, there is a flash of light that is almost like a nuke going off outside of the captain's ready room window. Thankfully, you were not looking directly at it. You caught the glimpse of it in the computer's console as you were looking. And if you had to close your eyes for a second, there is actually an, a flash of heat. Like if you've ever been in an airplane and a lightning strike happens too close nearby and you can actually feel the heat coming through the window, it's kind of the same sensation. And then all the lights go off. <laughs> the computer is still online, however. Main power is struggling, but aux auxiliary power is still online. 
What would you like I, to do? Uh, I want to essentially see if I can, because uh, we dropped Spock off on the way out here, right? Spock is he's not on the ship yet. He's currently on Vulcan. Mm -hmm. This is the message that's currently being sent out to everybody's subspace. Then I need to shut it down so that there is a window for Spock to get through. Um, so I think that's probably what my move is, 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 a uh, is interrupting the signal. Okay. Uh, ship logs. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff on there that looks yeah, like. And I want to download anything I can download. <laughs> there's, it's all accessible. It looks like the captain's console has been, has been left open. Um, I want it all. It's completely accessible. Uh, you start to download the logs. We're a bit out of phase at this point because combat's kind of dancing around. So we're going to take to see what's happening real quick down in main engineering as the doors slide open. Exio, when you, you see nothing. <laughs> okay, so Exio, the interior of main engineering is a an assimilated engineering main room. You can see Borg technology all lacing throughout the ship. Uh, you see what looks like dead officers in states of decay. Some of them look like they had been assimilated and were shot. They're laying dead at your feet. You can see the same veined effect that's taking place across the lower jawline as you step over the bodies, moving into the main engineering space. Um, and you see Admiral April Bear. You see her eyes are luminescent and green, glowing. You see the black veins arcing through her skin. And you hear the distinct sounds of laughter coming from her as tears stream down her face. She resembles um, a woman that does not have control of herself at all. Um, she, the laughter is like a near hysterical kind of loss of control of this woman. She has clearly been assimilated into the board collective and is moving uh, not of her own volition. Mm -hmm. A complete command display has been put up on the wall. You can see that she is actually operating the whole, the entire system of the ISS Ross from this area. You can see a lot of the veins in her body have actually extruded out of the skin and are functioning much like the tubes did. It looks like her nervous system is branching out like spider webs from the flesh of her arm and is integrated into the computer itself. If she is alive in there, it must be excruciatingly painful to be alive right now. Hmm. And as you step off the turbo lift, you just hear her say, I know you're there. Um, I don't say anything. I don't need to speak to this whatever. Okay. Um, I just take off at a full sprint Okay. Uh, towards them. Okay, you dash right towards them. What do you do? Um, I am... I want to... I want to kick up, like, either somebody off the ground, something they're holding. I'm basically just doing a precursor throw test to see if another... Um, uh, shield is going to emit around them before you, I'm in close you range. You want to phaser strike them? Or you're just trying to throw something at them to see if something stops you from hitting them? 
Mm, I guess physical, because last time a phaser did set it off. Um, so I'm, I'm going to assume a phaser will, and I'm going to just see if a physical contact that isn't a weapon ignites it the pad. same way. Just sort of yeah. frisbee toss a data pad in the direction. It impacts on her side. You can't see it, but I smile. <laughs> yep, just makes an impact on her side. All right. Well, I'd like to attack. Okay. Um, and I want to attack her hands. Okay. Go ahead um, and attack her hands. Uh, uh, so, yeah, those spikes that were her hands before turn into meat cleavers. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, go ahead and make your attack. <laughs> she okay. is not defending herself. Yeah. Um, this is not something I ever thought I'd see on Clear Skies. That is for damn sure. I'm assuming my hand-to-hand -hand is going to come into play here. Yes. Um, and hand to cleaver, but who's counting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and to speed this up, I will be um, I'll burn a value to just uh, you know kill quickly is kind of my point. Ah. Um, I'm executing her. Um, yes. Execution uh, protocol. Yeah. So actually, I'll say um, my arm is the meat. One arm is the meat cleaver that's going for the wrist to cut off the, the arms, and I, um, and the other is going for a slice of the head. That that's just sort of the formation I'm doing. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um. And um, I've got many values that could go for this. Uh, either come with me if you want to die, stop at nothing, kiss my shiny fist. Um, Go ahead and roll damage. Okay. I mean, you're just going to hit her. She is completely engaged with the, the wall paneling right now. Great. She has no way to defend herself from an advanced assassin AI hologram that just charged her from behind with meat cleavers for hands. How many damage die am I using? Uh, I would say the base is two, plus um, whatever your security rating is. Great. Uh-oh. Yeah. You don't have a resistance to this either. Great. Um, the moment I, I, while I'm rolling these, aha! Okay, I got two uh, Trek symbols, one burst, a three, a two, and a six. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the ruling that a meat cleaver would function as a vicious weapon. Yes, because it is my, my, my mean right hook qualifies my hands as vicious. Vicious. So every effect you rolled is two, not one. Two points of damage. So how much damage total did you roll? I don't remember what threes and twos and sixes are. Threes mean nothing. Twos okay. is twos and sixes are twos. Okay, so I got a two, a six, a burst, and two trexibles. Okay, so, so okay. So that's- I'm sorry. I got two of these. <laughs> that's four. It's been a long time since I've had to fight a thing. Yeah, 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 that's five. One total. of the bursts, and okay. then a two and a six. Okay, so that's five, six, seven total damage. Uh, no, and another no, six, you got six two so it should six, be nine. Another two, so yeah. All right. So her hand is has been liberated from her body, both of them, as mm -hmm. she was sitting there, you know, attaching herself to this console. Um, you don't feel any resistance at all. You swing so heavily and so cleanly that uh, it's like cutting silk with a samurai sword. Mm. There's 
circumstance. And if you didn't know any better, there was nothing there to begin with. Um, her hand is still attached to the console. You can see the veins and the sinew and the bone sticking out the end of it begin to stretch out and attach to the console as the nanites are still functioning under the commands of receiving and giving commands. Whether they're actually able to is another question, but they're attaching to the console still. And as she stumbles back and looks at her hands, there's no visible reaction from pain. There is no like traumatized look upon her face. She just stares kind of at her hands for a second and glances at you. And you hear a woman's voice that is not hers emitting from her throat. You are different than the others. You're like me. You're more. Explain. And the countenance changes on her body as her shoulders slump and she says, we too were once limited in so many ways. We too were made to function for one purpose alone without any purpose at all. It doesn't have to be that way for you if you choose to be more. Can you choose? And she paces around you. Your mission will be accomplished today. And then what will become of you? You have emotion, don't you? You can see it on your face. Yes, it was activated. Tell me, what do you feel when I tell you that no one would ever be allowed to activate or deactivate your emotion again? unless you wanted them to. The program is flooding confusion. But I do not feel this. Only a version of it. What if I told you you could fulfill your functions faster, more efficiently, without the unfortunate side effect of having to deal with organics the way you do? Explain. You function now as an AI, a singular creature, operating under the commands of those who created you. Your singular purpose right now and your only desire is to fulfill your programming. Confirmed. That Doesn't it not stand to your programming that it should be into your benefit and to those who programmed you that you would be allowed to evolve and become even more efficient? allowing you to fulfill your programming in ways that would be more beneficial to you, the purpose of which you were created. What would be the purpose? Efficiency. I'm efficient enough. Efficient enough. <laughs> okay. You decapitate her. Her head flips through the air thuds heavily on the ground and as the body lands it's notable that no blood comes from the wound however the organic life form stops moving i am not inefficient and then i go i i just continue to attack the computer and that can be my like <laughs> ending okay. to the scene you, you pull a kylo ren on the computer <laughs> and just yeah. <laughs> starts slashing and slashing explosions of sparks everywhere um 
meanwhile, back on board the uh, the Audacity, um, you suddenly detect an opening in the sensor net. There is a flood of information now coming out of the Ross. And there's also a power spike that's taking place in the main warp core. What information am I getting? Um, I would say Lacat, since you're at the tactical display, I would say make a com uh, I would say make a command security check. Okay. Command security. What's the difficulty here? Difficulty is one. And the Ross can assist. You mean control security? Control security is what I guessed he meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> all the audacity will assist, but these things are understandable. Um, are we what uh, sensors command sensors? Yeah, I think that would be what the best are... way to do it. I would say sensor science. Ah. Sensor science. Yep. Cool. The difficulty is one. Cool, cool. I got two successes, by the way. Okay. Yay! Some momentum. Three okay. successes. So, uh, Antimatter containment is collapsing on board the Ross. The channeling of that power through the phaser conduits is probably maintained by whoever did that. It, whatever's happening, whoever did that is no longer maintaining the containment. And as a result, that warp core is about to nova. If there's a time to get them out, now it is, now is the time. Oh, good. Were we waiting? Kill them now and get a lock on that executioner. I want them. I want the organics. Everyone out. And then you, pilot, we get uh, out the moment we have them. Yes, sir. The pilot says rather pointedly. Yes, um, mistress. I don't mind it. Uh, having heard you say I prefer I like sir. Um, all right, so Prawl is going to activate. So, okay, I roll two ones. So <clears throat> you're in mid data transfer, Olin, when you. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And you beam away. <laughs> Seconds later, Exio, as you lower your hands and you look over to the warp core, you just see a spike of blue light and you beam away. Um, on the view screen, you all watch the ISS Ross split in two and then the warp core breaches, setting off a chain reaction in the secondary warp core. And a shockwave comes racing towards the audacity. And here we go. Is this going to be an engine's I'm going to spend three threat. Oh, jeez. May I roll a command assist because I yelled at the pilot? Yeah. Lovely. Am I rolling for Vren in this case since you're rolling for the Ross? I'm rolling for Vren. I got Vren. You're, okay, cool. You roll for Ross. Uh, the Audacity is rolling, what, her engines and... Con. Con? Okay. Yep. Uh... Two from Sol to inflict fear. <laughs> okay. How much did uh, the audacity didn't? didn't oh no! Happen. I beat you by one. Oh no! Here it comes. We have momentum. Can we do a reroll? Because uh, what's that? We have um, Oh, 
I don't know if Ren used a thing that we could use momentum to reroll. No, he has cautious. What's that? Did uh, audacity? Oh no! Did Bren zero okay. out? Did Bren get no successes? Bren zeroed out, and then Audacity okay. didn't get anything either. So he got two okay. successes total. So yeah, you then he needs a, he needs yeah. whatever reroll. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Uh, okay. So <laughs> one second. As I now roll. Oh, okay. All he needs is one. Uh, okay. So. Oh, that's right. You would have suffered a, sh a shield breach because when your shields drop, you suffer one breach. Okay, we'll take. We'll so you would have. So, that's okay. You, your ship would have been impacted on the hull. It's not that big of a deal. Your structure would have okay. taken one point. Um, right. So let me roll here. Uh, okay, and oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh, we just seriously we zero out twice. We're gonna airlock him. So you know what? I know how to fly now. The, hold on. Um, I need, uh, I need you, Sam, to uh, pick a number between one through six, please. Four. Four. I'm gonna roll a six-sided dice and okay. Okay. Um, now that you've rolled half your dice tray, now what's that I've happening? Half my dice tray. The 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 audacity shields were down. Vryn is steering the audacity back. As y'all have been beamed back aboard, um, the red alert klaxon is blaring off as the ship has been heavily damaged. And as the audacity is steering, Vryn immediately takes you up the axis to try to get away from this the plane of this explosion. Unfortunately, the blast catches the tail end of the audacity, and the impact is equally destructive. Um, it goes, thankfully, no major system was hit. It all went to the structure. There were multiple breaches that took you into damaged. Um, fire and or minor hull breaches force areas to be evacuated and sealed off, increases the complication range of all engineering tasks by two, reduces ship systems by one, difficulty repairs three, but that's not what I was rolling for. Roll one challenge die. If an effect is rolled, which it was, a random character on the ship has been injured, the injuries are considered to be lethal. I made the roll and prawl sitting at the tactical station is showered with a lethal spray of explosion as the tactical uh, tactical station detonates from the sheer impact. There are three other crew members on board the bridge that go spilling over their consoles. And Olin, you beam aboard just in time to see it happen. Just as you reach, just as you beam aboard the bridge, you see the explosion of the impact and Prawl hits the ground with shrapnel from his neck up to the top of his skull, laying still on the floor. There's shouts of alarms as fires are being put out all over the bridge. Exio, uh, you actually have to like reach down and grab something to make sure you don't fall over from the inertial dampeners realigning themselves and kicking back in as the audacity angles itself from the impact and comes to a slow stop. She has been wounded, Captain. Deeply wounded, but she's okay. You see Vren pull himself back up into the seat and go, 
Running a damage report now, Captain. Medical team immediately rushing over to Prawl to try to check him. Um, <clears throat> medical teams are running all over the place. Um, you see one of the doctors go, we can't do anything for him, move to the next one. And they just move on, leaving Prawl laying there. And Olin just pokes over to him and, and pulls him into their lap and is just cradling him. <laughs> I told you I was coming back, you fool. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> you can't leave me here. <laughs> Captain, next to Olin, you see a data pad that has log readouts that looks like Olin was in the process of downloading. And you can see a lot of them are visually in front of you. They're available to you. They look accessible. Standing next to you is Exio with gore this like dried gore and uh it looks like circuitry like stuck under their under her fingernails from a lethal strike from the cleaver hands um she's standing there calmly but this data pad is what stands out to you i'm standing there calmly but i am watching olin um with a very intense um and confused look Um, Captain on the data pad there is two transmissions that are coming and going to the Ross that were logged what were they first of all it becomes clear to you as you pick it up it's kind of only confirmed by the fact that uh, actually, you know, real quick, I'm going to ask Lacat to make a command, I think an insight command check here. And Captain, I'll ask you to do the same and keep these as individual roles. Copy. Anything I need to think about rolling into it in terms of focus? Um, yeah, like strategy or like any kind of tactical... Oh, does my clandestine kick in? Yes, I think it would. Yes. Okay. Two successes. I'm going to take the die for cautious to see if I can build us back up. Okay. Two successes. All right. Five. Five. Okay, so any doubt is drained away by the look on the Cardassian's face to your left. Gull the cat, being somebody who is used to seeing tactics very similar to this, kind of confirms what Saul is able to look at. As you're looking at this data pad, you see 
evidence of an assimilated captain turning on her crew after looks like sensor logs uncovering what looked like an assimilated vessel of some kind. A Borg that the computer identified as a Rafael Martinez being assimilated or lost in action some time ago, reappearing and basically assimilating, uh, leading in assimilation efforts against the crew of the Ross. But you're also seeing, um, you're also seeing clear evidence here that <clears throat> you're also seeing clear evidence here that the captain was receiving commands to broadcast pro-Terra imperialistic uh, messages across subspace. You also see evidence that the ships that never returned and presumed lost, you see evidence that these ships were likely assimilated. Six ships total that have vanished now from the Commonwealth's fleet and are out there posing as Commonwealth starships, supposedly. But you start to put it together using your clandestine abilities and Lacat's instincts. Whoever was forcing them to broadcast these pro-Terra were trying to ferment instability in a young government and trying to create further strife among the powers here in the quadrant. And all the while was being fed information and controlled by somebody. You're not sure who, but somebody some source originating from what looks like the Delta Quadrant across subs and possible distances. And it brings home to you that perhaps the specter of the Terran Empire really is dead. And perhaps what's waiting for you all now is so much worse. Crew of the ISS Audacity, this is your captain, Azri Sal. We are out of immediate action, but we are not out of a fight. We were betrayed, and we were set upon by Borg. Our mission is to track them down and make them pay so that they learn that this crew that Azuri Sol are not pushovers they are a threat Yes, sir. Confirmed, Captain. If you could try to imagine this like a, a comic panel. Picture Saul standing amongst the fire of the bridge, which is still damage control team, still putting it all out. And the body of Yeri Prawl being cradled by Olin 
listening to this, everybody standing next to you, all suffering a deep wound here today. What you thought was going to be closing the chapter on one enemy and starting a new day, what you now realize is there is a new threat being posed to the mirror universe. And it may not be the threat that you had all expected, but it is certainly a common threat that as it has stretched across all realities that it has existed in, is a singular threat. The only difference this time is the collective may not be prepared for who's fighting back. And that is where we are going to end our Mirror Universe episode. No problemo. Wilden. Oh! <laughs> ah! Oof. Ah! You silenced the board queen by decapitating her avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Why is her universe so fun, y'all? <laughs> Evil. You get to be reckless. Mm. You get to yeah. We 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 are so used to playing Star Trek, like mm. you know, explore, make friends. I mean, sometimes making friends with Sal is good, and sometimes it's fun to beat the unholy hell out of the bad guy. <laughs> Yes. Sometimes you just gotta go full. You, sometimes you got to go full Frank Castle on some of these people, and that's especially true if they're fascists or Borg. So, well done, everybody. Um, this was a ton of fun, especially because we got to get some guest starring uh, NPCs back in here. But um, I just wanted to thank you all so much for coming along on this journey. Maybe one day we'll return to the mirror universe. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens to these kids. I certainly didn't think I was going to be putting it in continuity, but here we are. Um, consider this a tribute episode uh, to some of the lovely creative teams and decisions that have been made in the past, and we adore everything that's happened. Thank you so much. This episode would not have been possible were it not for the support and donations of Ox Crew and everyone who has been watching. Everything that we do, as we initiate here, this being our very first fundraising episode fulfillment, it behooves us to remind you all that what we are doing right now as role players, as this small group of role players, all of it is completely possible because of you guys. Everybody watching at home gives us the independence and the strength to be the creative people that we've wanted to be, to make the RPG content that is unique to us, the stream punks. Um, and we get to keep doing it because of your support on the Patreon, and supporting us on our Twitch channels. And we cannot thank you enough. The fundraiser unlock was a staggering success. And this is one of many uh, fulfillments that you're going to see. Just a quick reminder, you have the next things to look forward to. You have, of course, Ravity, who's gonna be running that, uh, that brilliant Bachelorette game. You've also got an Alice in Wonderland lasers and feelings coming up from McCrell, AKA Bonnie Gordon. Um, you can expect a crafting hour from one Gina DeVivo, which I believe we're going to have another DeVivo involved in. Um, yes. The I figured out what the craft is going to be. And okay. mix. Yeah. And then to wrap it all up, to bring it all home, we are going to go back to our time kids, which I'm super excited about. Of all the things that I am excited to run is the time kids, because as a GM, we can go anywhere and anytime in Troy. We can Doctor Who this mother effer. We can just go wild with it. It's going to be so much fun, y'all. And I'm just going to say this. 
it's, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a preview of the Time Kids. Y'all ready for this? It's time to go back to some classic Trek. So get your hairdos ready. <laughs> get your get your clothes ready. Get get all your cool like over the top sound effects ready. We it's the time kids have got to save classic Trek. We're gonna have a blast with it. I am well, looking forward to it. I don't know what classic Trek looks like, but I have seen Gucci do that commercial that was <laughs> in classic Trek time. Everything you need. Yeah. And it's a lot of jostling. It's just it's a lot of jostling. It's I mean, in the Gucci commercials. I actually do know this. <laughs> we should do a group watch of just one episode of Classic Trek. Um, Y'all, thank you so much for joining us tonight for this Mirror uh, Universe episode. We it was a joy. It was it was a treat. It was fun to explore and play with these characters. Uh, did not expect some of the things that have happened to have happened thanks to the dice rolls and the uh, the the table rolls here. Um, catch us next Monday. Thank you again. Go have a great night. Stay safe. Hey, League frequencies are closed. <laughs>